Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Monday night. I'm actually live in studio in my old chair. That was my hand. Yeah, kind of wild. It feels (laughs) funny because Evan, for the longest time, had taken over this chair. But I'm here, episode 108. We're hanging out. Got awesome interviews lined up. Super excited. He was for that. just keeping it warm for you, though. Yeah, exactly. Doing. And then no, he moved out. It feels weird. I got like a nice camera. I have a very nice microphone, and so it's just nice headphones and everything like that. I don't know. Definitely, it's different. Episode one hundred eight. This episode is presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Go check them out at cosmicdg.com. I said something about them not selling retail anymore, but you can still go to their website and check it out. They've got things for sale, and you're gonna want to check it out. Plus, they're doing something else really cool. Their website will have the information. Reach out to them for more. Can I say this? I was just talking right literally before we went live, and I told intern Ben, I said, Ben, my ears have been ringing like crazy. I went to the audiologist today because I was having this ringing issue. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep, you got tinnitus. So here's my thing. Would you all just stop thinking about me? <laughs> you know what they say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, yeah, yeah. I just feel like a lot of if people talking must about be you or talking like about me. Yeah. The MVP open week was crazy. They're like, dude, look at Matt out there just running around. What a yep. fool. <laughs> Anyways. Nick, you were there. I was. But you weren't playing. Nope. You were enjoying and spectating. Nope. I was enjoying as a spectator, which was actually a very, very nice thing. And uh, no, I enjoyed it a ton, actually. It was definitely nice to take a week off with so much travel going on in my life the last two months. My body has definitely been not as healthy as I would like it to be. So it was very nice to just have a bunch of people at my house. And uh, I think we had seven plus my parents and me. So I think there was like 10 people at my house this last week it was awesome and uh just had good times played a ton of nintendo switch with my buddies and uh now you were gonna switch. say you're you're having an issue with your ear going on right now the only issue that i have is i'm annoyed that the lord of the rings rings of power comes out once a week and house of the dragon comes out once a week and so i constantly have to keep waiting for new episodes and i'm not caught up on house of the dragon this week yet i'm actually gonna watch it tonight after the podcast and uh i keep seeing spoilers on facebook so i've had to not spend as much time on social media which is actually probably a good thing i also helped out at my old job today so you're you're hustling yeah trying can we bring evan up on screen he's here he could he can talk even when he's off screen but evan it's good to see you all week and uh yeah look who's repping your hat now yeah i you look good matt i gotta say (laughs) looking fabulous i don't know about that looking good but i'll I'll take the compliment (laughs) you got on the cosmic shirt so Man, are you exhausted after a week of doing all the stat mando on the ground stuff? Like you were on location working oh. your butt off. Yeah, I don't know how long I slept last night, but <laughs> it was a long time and felt great. So okay. uh, I worked from home all day today, barely left the apartment, and uh, that feels great. I enjoy that. Okay. After a long weekend, of course. <laughs> after a long weekend, of course. <laughs> Yeah, uh, someone in the chat was like, what's up with the weird background noises? If there's something that legitimately is standing out, and I say legitimate because I feel like we're not hearing anything, let us know if more people say yes, then that's fine. Um, So you were on the ground, Evan, and as you said, it was busy, and I was there, and I was almost more exhausted than I've ever been, even in playing a tournament. It was just crazy walking the course multiple times, both FPO, MPO, every day, all week through the rain and the cold and the wind. But we want to know, what did you come up with for a recap for us um, as far as the event goes? Share whatever you want. We're down to hear it. 
Yeah, I mean, Maple Hill is always exciting. I you you can always say that, uh, and it came down to the wire in both divisions. Um, as we know, Natalie Ryan takes it down in a playoff over Kristen Tatar, who has been maybe the best player of the recent memory uh, in uh, FPO. Uh, Natalie Ryan takes it down in a playoff, like I was saying, had an amazing tee shot on the first hole of the playoff being hole 18, uh, had a parked up shot while Kristen Tatar was in circle two, almost made a big putt, uh, Kristen Tatar, that is, uh, and, and Natalie Ryan walks in and taps it in for the birdie to win the playoff. That's her second pro tour win of the season and her career. Uh, a huge moment for Natalie, and we'll get to hear from her later too. Was that first? Was uh, that the first playoff for um, Kristen and Natalie it, in in a, an elite series, or like you know, not a C tier? Yeah, it was the first playoff for both of them ever okay. in elite series or majors. Um, I'm sure they've been in other uh, PDGA playoffs. I know Kristen has in some Euro Tour events. She was actually in a playoff with uh, I think it was Evelina Salonen. Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen. I'll have to look it up. I'm, I'm sidetracking now, but there was some epic uh, European playoff, but not an elite series or major. And I, I asked uh, that and, because when Kristen missed the putt on the 18th green, ultimately we see her reaction was like hands up. Like I tried. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. And, and she, I think in her quote in the press conference after it was like, she gave it her all. Like she played fantastic. Just someone out there was playing better. And that was Natalie Ryan. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's what the field is nowadays. I mean, I think we've seen the FPO field play a little bit below average besides Kristen Tatar. And she's dominated in these wins. And she'd probably get them anyways, but there hasn't been a lot of competition. Uh, and this week, uh, Tatar was playing her best, but there was also Natalie Ryan. And there's also Paige Pierce in third place, who's only a stroke behind, who very easily could have been in that playoff too. Uh, I mean, there's so many strokes here and there over four rounds. Uh, we, we saw an epic display of uh, competitiveness. I don't even know how to word it because it was so good all weekend. Um, but on the NPO side, it was just as exciting. It came down to the final hole. Uh, we had two players on the lead card, a stroke behind Simon Lazat going into the last hole. Uh, Simon's in the clubhouse watching on the 18th green while Linus Carlson and Corey Ellis uh, need a Actually, sorry, they were all tied up. I just said they were a stroke behind. Uh, so if either of them got the birdie, they either would have won or tied each other. If they parred, they would have gone to a playoff with Simon. If they bogeyed, uh, Simon would be the winner. Uh, and we saw Corey Ellis maybe have the best drive I've ever seen on hole 18. He smashed that thing. I was there with a the radar gun. He was 71 miles an hour on hole 18, which if you ever stand on hole 18, you're like, how does anyone ever throw max power on that hole because it's so scary? Yeah. Uh, he's in a perfect position. He's got thousands of spectators watching, surrounding that green, and he has the most pressured upshot of his life. Uh, and he's been there before. We saw him at Deglo come down to the wire in a playoff. Uh, and unfortunately, his upshot just sails too far straight, doesn't get in bounds. And he has probably, what was that, like an 80 to 90 footer to tie? Mm -hmm um and force a playoff and he was so close just like Kristen earlier in the day hits cage um and simon goes on to win from the chase card i mentioned linus carlson as well he hit a tree early on in 18 and kind of was out of it almost after that first shot uh but it this was so insane there's three different cards with players who could have won through that back nine 
and then Simon's in the clubhouse. Like I think it was three strokes ahead when they were on like hole 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew they had to get birdies. Corey got so many birdies. Like, I mean, hole 16, the Kevin Jones slip ace hole. Corey had a fantastic shot and is parked for a birdie there. Hole 17, both Corey and Linus Carlson get the birdie. Uh, it, it, that was it was incredible i there's not even enough words to describe how uh storybook that ending was and simon lazat takes down his fourth disc golf pro tour event of the year uh he becomes the fourth player to win four or more uh pro tours in a year um joining eagle mcmahon paul mcbeth and ricky wysocki uh ricky wysocki doing it this year as well for the first time in his career being pro tour specific um it, it and how about that crowd because Simon is our adopted hometown kid of New England and Massachusetts. He lives not far away from Maple Hill. He loves the course and the fans love him. And not that anyone was rooting against Corey, but when it was all said and done and Simon was the winner, I don't think the fans there could have been happier. Uh, I mean, the chance for Simon, you know, Simon did his now iconic run around the green, high-fiving everyone. That place was nuts. Who did that uh, recently? It, Where did I see that recently when someone else ran around? GMC. Ricky did Ricky, it last week. Yeah, Ricky at GMC. Oh, I feel like that yeah. was weird, but that's just my initial take. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was weird, but it's a really cool moment, and it's it might be Simon's thing, but I don't fault anyone else for doing it when they win because, like, how cool is that moment to have everyone cheering for you and going around high-fiving everyone quickly? Uh, you just can't beat that. Yeah, it was – when I say weird, I just mean, like, I'm like, I feel like that was Simon's thing. That's all I was thinking when I saw it. It's an exciting moment. Absolutely cool. I think we should, uh, I don't know. Let's take, let's take a quick minute right now to just summarize your thoughts on when Ricky gave, and I think it was live, mm-hmm. his speech for winning the points. He said, this is the most, what did he say? This is like the biggest moment in my season. Yeah, I think he kind of just said like it was his biggest achievement of the year so far. Right. Which kind of, and I'll say this, it definitely caught me by surprise <laughs> yeah. in the sense in the sense of like, you know, winning GMC was huge. First playoff event of the year. Winning three other Elite Series events throughout the year is an incredible feat. Um, obviously, not performing to his best abilities at the two majors, or the excuse me, the three majors that we've played so far this year. And he, you know, he played great at Champions Cup. I think he ended up getting second place there to Dickerson, but not getting that major win that a lot of top players kind of pride their careers off of, especially the World Championships. Um, I'd be very surprised if, say, Ricky was to win USCGC. If he would keep that same statement, but at the or same, what if he had won worlds, would he have kept that same statement? But at the same time, that would also just show even more consistency that he's having throughout the year. So I guess you can't really think of it that way, but it definitely was surprising. And yeah, I'd be curious, like, say he, I'm going Nick, yes or yeah. no. Had he won worlds this year, would he have said that same thing when he got the points? I don't think so. Okay. I don't That's, think so. I, I, I personally think if he won any major that would try, uh, triumph um, what am i trying to say yeah. here it'd be it would be a bigger deal so he's just um, being but, consistent then yeah yeah i mean ricky yeah how many elite series wins has he had in his career i mean i should know but like it's a lot uh <laughs> winning th- three or four more like those are all great wins and yeah ricky did a great job winning them mm-hmm. but winning the points at this point in his career i think is greater than any other elite series victory the problem is and we're gonna wrap this one up but the problem is right now we said this last week on the show it's not getting that spotlight to make it that big. To the player, they can feel that. But to everyone else, they're looking at it going, eh, mm-hmm. we're trying to buy into what you said, Rick. They're just not there yet. The people aren't there yet. I think it will get there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a quick minute to talk about this product, DG Max Wax. I say product, but it's a staple in my bag, and I'm not talking about a stapler. <laughs> this is 
citradelic. The smell is amazing. Helps calm you and bring your you to your rest of your senses before you putt. But the reality is, it's the grip enhancement. I get my fingers on this, and I have this perfect grip. It feels like a natural grip, not a sticky grip. And what was so funny last week, Nick, I I threw this to Gannon, and I threw this over to whoever it was, Alden mm-hmm. and Isaac and yep. and and Big Germ, and. I don't know if it was just the young guys, but they didn't know what how to use it. So yeah. they're like, give me a disc. So they get a disc and they're over there with this rubbing it on the it disc. On. Yeah. So you actually yeah. put apply this to your hands and the product itself enhances your grip and it makes you feel uh, comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is this is Evan's favorite, the snap stick. It's out of focus. Yeah, I got a tournament this weekend and I'm out, so I'm gonna have to steal that tonight. There it is, by the way. Snap stick. It's in I told you I'd give it to you, Evan, but uh, maybe I'll give it to Nick. I, Here, Nick. I had dibs on it, but that, that's okay. We'll just use it for the it. weekend. <laughs> All right, I'll take it back after that. All right, sounds good. I'll leave it here for you. Okay, so we love that product, and Nick and Matt show. If you go to dgmaxwax.com, use code Nick and Matt, I get a percentage off, and you'll be supporting an awesome startup, which has really gone much farther than that now, and it's a product that you will be not sure how you lived without. That's kind of how I'll say that. Um. Man, being on the ground, there's a lot more we can talk about for the MVP Open. Like, mm-hmm. actually, we were all there all week. Um, but we're going to get ready here in just a minute to bring on, um, for a first time ever, Natalie Ryan. And I, I just want to get something out there from myself because we know there is a lot of conversation. Conversation is good. There's a lot of conversation surrounding the win this weekend. I want to start out, I wrote this down because I really wanted to be sure that I communicated things without messing up because I often say more than I want and mean more than I say. Something like that. I don't know. (laughs) So here's what I want to say. In full disclosure and transparency, I would like to say that I've thought through the topic of transgendered athletes in competition a fair amount and haven't fully landed yet on where I stand. I'm not sure if I'll ever fully come to a resolve on this or an opinion. Because I talk into a microphone, thousands of you upon thousands listen to this. There isn't an opportunity for me to have this conversation with each of you directly. But I'm going to save my detailed thoughts for a time when you, the listener or viewer, show up and you ask them for them in person. There's a few things in life where I think it's good to be hard and fast and stick with believing something without having an openness to learning and changing. I'm not saying that we can't choose to believe something within our very core, but I am saying that we should keep an open mind to learning and understanding another perspective. People believe and do what they do because it makes sense to them. And we all do the same exact thing because it makes sense to us. If we aren't willing to learn and understand, then any discussion we have is purely one of trying to share what we believe. (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking of my marriage. <laughs> in my marriage, if that's all, I, I did that for a long time. I was just constantly like, no, this is, this is what I believe, and you need to believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work well. That's not how conversations should work. I do know with absolute certainty that I can choose to value and treat others kindly, thanks to my wife. She's taught me that one. Treat everybody kindly. Regardless of my viewpoints, even if those viewpoints are goals or goals are different or actively in opposition to mine. I'll do my best to continue with this effort. Some of our listeners may not like us giving a platform to those they disagree with, 
which is kind of funny because this Nick and Matt show is all about just getting people on that we disagree with, and then we debate about it later. But that's this is the platform. What kind of show would we be if we all agreed? As Nick often says, tell someone you love them. So I'm going to do it to the whole audience at once. I love you all. And with that being said, I hope that wasn't, you know, a weird way to introduce to the show because I hope she realizes she is worth it. And that's why we took the time to do this. Natalie, Ryan, everybody, welcome to the Nick and Matt show. First time ever. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Absol- absolutely. Are you on your way down to, uh, I'll say, the USDGC area? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're just south of Washington, D.C. at the moment. So we, we made a good bit of headway today. Okay. Are you on the side of the road like one of our FPO players did once, Holly Finley, and we just saw the cars like boom, blowing by? <laughs> no, 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 not quite. We stopped for dinner. We're, we're sitting in a parking lot, though. There do you, you go. Do there you remember go. that, Nick? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The car, the, like the van was like shaking. We're like, I don't know how safe this is. <laughs> um, so let's talk about it. You were able to secure your second win on the Pro Tour this year, and you did it in a playoff against the reigning world champion. Tell us what this means to you. Uh, it, it means uh, just about everything it could possibly mean to me. Uh, I mean, to, to bring it home against the current world champ is, is something I never thought I would really do. Um, I mean, she's played incredibly all year long. And I, I, honestly, I thought she was kind of unbeatable. So to, to be able to, to, to pull it up, and cl- throw those clutch shots on that during that playoff. I mean, it's just, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Kristen has been performing at an extremely high level. Um, yeah, I, it's it's interesting to hear your opinions on, as your competitor, how you feel against that. So you said this in a social post, likely to go down, and I, I'm quoting you, as my best of all time. Are you limiting yourself here? Or are you just really kind of in that moment right now? Uh, I, I feel like I'm just a little bit in that moment. Um, but I mean, honestly, though, with, I don't know if there's ever going to be a moment where I'm, you know, in a playoff against the current world champ and I, I, I succeed. So I genuinely feel like that could for sure go down as, as my best of all time. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not super young, so I only have a few years really to, to kind of keep pushing in the sport. So we'll see what I can do, but I don't know. Now kind of going from a local FBO player in the Virginia area and now reaching your way out into the pro tour, this is your first time at Maple Hill, I would assume. Um, how has that transition been just in the sense of play level in the FBO division where you're originally from and then coming out and actually competing on a full tour this year? Uh, so it's actually my second time at Maple Hill. I played oh, okay. it last year. Gotcha. Um, so I did have a little bit of experience on the course beforehand. Nice. Um, but coming from Virginia, a lot of the courses are, you know, they're, they're very similar design. They're very tough. They're, you know, I, I would want to say that Virginia has got some of the best golf that's hidden around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to kind of look for it, but some of those courses are just incredible and no one really knows they're there. Um, so like moving those skills that I learned on those courses to the tour, I feel like is actually one of the, one of the more beneficial things I was capable of doing this year. Okay. Awesome. I'm just adjusting your audio levels of hair on our side. I apologize. Some of the listeners were saying I messed it up and we did. I'm just adjusting it. So we're, we should be good now. Uh, I've, I followed along for the final round. Um, I'm sure you didn't see me. You're focused on the sport, but I was able to follow the full round. And I noticed the back and forth between three of FPO's most talented players, including five-time world champion Paige Pierce making a surge from the, the chase card. I'm pretty sure I saw you checking scores. This is what I do as media. I try to c- capture what's on the ground and see what's happening. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, maybe hole 14, maybe sooner, maybe later. Um, but And maybe that was after you threw OB on 14, too. You, maybe you were like, what's going on here? But how aware are you of scores? Do you like to follow in on a round? Like, do you think it helps you? Like, what's your strategy? Um, so I will typically ignore scores until about the last four to five holes, um, which is exactly what I did. You were spot on on 14. Um, I asked my caddy, my fiance, to pull up scores and tell me exactly how far ahead or behind I was at that moment. Um, and then I threw OB and then I needed to know even more like what was going on, who else was in the mix and all that. So yeah, I, I like to keep, I like to keep a knowledge of it in the last few holes so that I know what I need to do to either, you know, push to try and win or, or to hold off and, and try and play for that playoff like I did this time. Okay. I, I will say I am impressed with at least the way you're coming off after throwing out of bounds or bad shots or missed putts. I tend to hear something along the lines of what we read. From, I think the book is um, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. And they say the best in the sport will do like gotta love it kind of attitude. <laughs> like you just move on. I feel like I saw that out of you numerous times as, I, as most people throw shots. They don't like numerous times during a round. But numerous times. Is that just a facade or do you really feel that inside? The oh, well, like we'll do better next time. Um, I try to feel that way inside. Uh, most of the time I don't succeed, but during this, this tournament, I was, I was capable of doing that all, all four rounds. Um, for some reason, it's just my mental game will click and I'll be able to just shrug, shrug bad throws off knowing that like, yes, I am capable of doing better than that. And, and it's just at this moment, I wasn't, that's all. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I said from my standpoint, it was impressive. And I just didn't know inside if it was the same thing happening, because <laughs> yeah. as we know. Um, so what's the part of your game that requires the least effort? Least effort? Uh, probably my forehand approaches. That's, that's by far a staple of, of my game. I mean, if I'm throwing a backhand approach, I absolutely have to throw it. Um, otherwise, I'll be, I'll be leaning on that forehand for sure. That's interesting. I don't think I follow you close enough or, you know, you're on lead cards a fair amount this season, but like not enough that I was like, that is what I would have guessed. Um, but we saw in hole 18 and you executed it to perfection. Mm -hmm. and, and as I heard in your post round interview, you knew that would put the pressure on and it did. Um, man. Mm -hmm. So how did you feel going into hole 18 with that approach shot? Did you feel really confident? Or were there feelings of doubt right before you threw? Um, right before I threw that, that approach shot on anything. <laughs> yeah, right before. Yeah. I mean, oh, were, there were quieting the demons? <laughs> oh my God. I was walking up after that drive and, um, I mean, my, I was standing next to my fiance and we were both walking up the fairway and I was just telling myself quietly under my breath, like, you can do this. Just one more shot. You got this. Just, you can, you can do it. And, and I just, I, I walked up, calmed my mind as best I could and threw it. And it worked out really, really well. It did work out. And interestingly enough for Kristen, it's rare to see a disc hit the tree on a forehand approach and land in bounds. So it was kind of like, it just wanted to ramp the suspense a little bit more to the last throw. So awesome job there. Um, so kind of coming off of the question where I mentioned, you know, how are you thinking internally, right? After your throws, cause you seem to be fairly positive on the outside, um, going through your social media or interviews that I've heard besides what we're doing here, of course, You've mentioned in previous social posts and media that you feel like you're getting, quote, shouted at after playing well at events. 
and that it makes it hard to focus on your game. And I think you kind of said it like, surprise, like this is how it goes. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Um, so anytime I play well, especially anytime I'm on coverage, um, I will have numerous people sending me messages as, you know, just fake Facebook accounts, anything like that. They'll, they'll send me as much hateful crap as they possibly can, just in hopes that I see it. Um, and I mean, as best I can, I try to avoid it, but like, it's, it's just not, there's so much I can't avoid all of it. Um, that's pretty much what I'm referencing there. Okay. Yeah. And so... So it's, it's, I mean, it sounds like it'd be obvious, but like you're saying that carries over into your rounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. As as much as I don't want to let it do that, it's, it's hard to kind of drop everything at the door. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. You're speaking to someone who struggles with anxiety and a lot of things as well. I mean, we all got our issues. Uh, I, I don't, can't imagine even, um, I can't imagine what it would be like even in that situation as well at the high level you're at. Nick has a question for me. I know in the chat, it's come up a couple of times. Actually, a lot of people, you were sponsored by Prodigy in the past. You're now sponsored by Neptune Discs, some friends of mine actually out in the Virginia area. My company has done a lot of work with them clothing wise. And um, I just wanted to know, what is that sponsorship kind of entail? What is Neptune Discs for people who don't really know about it? And then how did that kind of sponsorship come about? Uh, so Neptune Discs is Virginia's first disc golf manufacturer. Um, they're, they're manufacturing at, you know, in the home state that, that I lived in. Uh, so I, I kind of knew them personally before, before they'd really, you know, gotten the sponsorship talks started and all that. Uh, they, they'd reached out at the end of, what was it, last year? Um, and, and were, you know, asking if I was going to still be with Prodigy or not. And I, I told them that I kind of, kind of parted ways with them, um, quietly. And, mm-hmm. and they, they approached me and said, yeah, okay, we're, I'm fully on board. We're going to sponsor you. And, you know, the rest was kind of history there. Um, what was the rest of your question? Just kind of like, um, how did the sponsorship come about? Um, I know they are in the future creating discs. I don't know if they have any that are officially out yet. Um, I felt kind of the early releases of it. But just in the sense of, you know, how has that partnership been and the support that they've given you throughout, you know, being on the road this year? Okay. Yeah, they've uh they've got one disc out now. Uh, it's called the Squid. It's a driver, eleven speed, similar to a Wraith, kind of kind of understable. Um, but it's been released. I think the first run is completely sold out. Uh, they've got a second run planned. I think in the near future. Uh, I don't know any specific details on that, but it will be out fairly soon, I think. Um, and I mean Neptune has been great for me. I mean they they've supported me in a way that I didn't think a disc golf company honestly would. Mm-hmm. Um. Because they, I mean, I, I know them personally, so it, it helped a lot to kind of forge those relationships a little bit better than mm-hmm. I could have with someone that I didn't fully trust at another company. Um, I mean, they've been helping me all year on tour. I, I would not have made it this far if they had not, you know, dropped everything and hopped on the bandwagon. I guess at the beginning of this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this question. Answer or don't answer. That's how every question is on the Nick and Matt show. But have you ever had a conversation with any of the other FPO players? Have any of them shared their thoughts with you regarding this current situation that you're at in the sport? I mean, you're an open book, or at least that's what Drew told me yesterday when I was asking for the interview while you were busy autographing. Have there ever been any conversations like that? Because some feel one way affects it, some feel another way, but like those who you're competing with, have you ever been able to take that opportunity or have they taken an opportunity to share with you? 
um, some of them have shared, you know, um, feelings of, of support, um, that they, they are glad that I'm here. Um, I've never actually had anyone approach me and trying and trying to tell me that I'm, I shouldn't be in the field. Uh, I know there are those out there that feel that way, but they have largely gone quiet, uh, when it comes to talking to me in general. Um, but the, I mean, the supporters have been, you know, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of them, uh, and a lot of that I didn't expect as well. Uh, it's been kind of sporadic. There've been a lot of people that have also said absolutely nothing and kind of refused to talk about it. But I mean, it, everyone's got, you know, their own feelings on it. And I think a lot of those conversations end up happening behind my back. Uh, and I wish they wouldn't, I'd like to be included in those, but it is what it is. People don't really want to talk about something that makes them feel uncomfortable or awkward or anything like that. So interesting yeah how you followed up the end of that i can understand that um is there any consideration and maybe you'd find it weird i don't know to reach out and actually on your own kind of try to make those conversation happen is there any thought of that um i i have talked with a few people about it um not many but the, like the people that i consider friends on tour i've talked about for sure and i mean the the resounding opinion that i've heard is as long as they they, they kind of believe that you know do what you want to do as long as it doesn't actually infract in any rules. You know, they, they don't, mm -hmm. for the most part, none of us are scientists on Twitter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, we don't know exactly what's right or wrong anyway. Like, I don't know entirely what's right or wrong because I don't, I'm not, I don't do any research. So yeah. I'm following exactly what I've been told to follow and the, the guidelines let me play. So interesting. Very interesting. I'm intrigued by your answer there. I think you probably heard from the green room my statement leading into this where I said, I haven't come to a resolution or a resolve in my head with the situation at hand, specifically regarding the competition. Um, but to hear you mm -hmm. saying, is it accurate to saying something similar along those lines? Um, I feel like that's fair for me yeah. um, because I personally, I personally know what I'm capable of and, and it falls in line with the FBL player's skills. And as far as that goes, I'm not gonna be able to, to prove that to someone because mm -hmm. they're just going to tell me oh well you just you just held back you know like i can only do so much to prove otherwise mm -hmm. but like i'm my personal experience tells me that it's fair um but i mean other than that like i want more i want more studies done i'd, mm -hmm. I'd love for more information on this it's just like no one's funding it yeah. so it's mm -hmm. it's hard to really come up with a, a really educated answer on it we, we need more disc golf rich people, maybe invest, <laughs> but uh, no, that's intriguing. I'm glad you're able to share that. So I'm sure, and I'm, I might miss a group here, but I want you to kind of shout out if I did. I'm sure there's many people who respect and support you as a person, many who are unsure and working through their thoughts and feelings on the competitive side of the discussion, still others who have chosen to intentionally tear you down, and then a community of like-minded individuals who are actively pushing to see more inclusive opportunities for transgendered athletes like yourself. In 2022, these are the opinions I'm seeing and hearing. Did I miss any there? I think I covered them all. You got <laughs> so them all. How do you think disc golf will look back at this time in its history? What's your hope for the future? I, I hope that it looks back on it and is... Honestly, I, I hope that they're a little bit concerned with how much hate there actually is in the sport. I, I don't even care about what it is, what it's, you know, pertaining to. I just, I'd like to see the sport be a more, you know, inclusive place for literally everybody. Um, it, it, it hurts to like, see that it's not just about trans players. Like I, I've seen so many other things that are like, 
talking about people of color, people, any, mm -hmm. anyone that's different. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot to see that. And I really hope the sport doesn't look back and feel shame for that. Thank you for that answer. Yeah. Now I'm going to kind of flip the script a little bit. Um, you were saying earlier in your interview that you have a few more years, you said you're on the, you know, not older side, but you said you have a few more years to kind of grind it out right now. Where do you see yourself after disc golf, after you're done, your kind of competing years in the sport? Um, obviously you can always play as a weekend warrior in whatever divisions, you know, in the FP 40, FP 50, whatever, you know, stuff like that. But where do you see yourself kind of career wise after disc golf full-time play is kind of over? Um, I'm honestly not really sure yet. Um, and I kind of feel like that's an okay answer to have. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to keep yeah. rolling with, uh, rolling with disc golf until I'm simply not competitive anymore. So mm -hmm. whatever age that ends up being, uh, I'll be around. Um, but after that, I don't know. We'll see where it takes me. Yeah. And I think we haven't really decided what age that comes to. I mean, we have <laughs> right. incredible players in the master's division, Scott even Stokely, Stokely, and then even, you know, Juliana, Juliana. So, I mean, Elaine I mean, King, Owen as well, right? Yeah, Owen Scoggins has been Okay, I'm not I didn't, yeah. I didn't say Owen. I mean, I'm not saying anything about ages here. I just knew that Juliana hasn't been around for a while yep. and Scott yep. Stokely. <laughs> I mean, incredible players still at the, you know, let's say older, you know, divisions and they're still incredibly talent-wise uh playing in their divisions. So, I don't know. It's kind of we we've had this conversation before of like what is the cutoff age? And honestly, we just we don't know. Paul is Paul is yeah. definitely trending down. I mean, it's got to be around. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. That's always the joke of the show, right? He's washed up. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, down to the last question that I have for you, Natalie. And I feel like this was a funny worded one, but I feel like there mm -hmm. could be a lot of insight here. And I feel like let's just get to it. What do you feel is the most misunderstood thing about you? And so that's the first part. So okay. think about that. And then is there a part of you that understands how that thing could be most misunderstood? <laughs> oh God. Okay. You well, the most misunderstood part about me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I see exactly where this is going. The most misunderstood part about me is that I throw far because I'm trans and that's just not true. Um, <laughs> I understand why people think that, but it just, it, I've practiced so much more than most people have ever practiced in a field. And no one really believes me when I say that, but I mean, the entire first year that I played this game, I sat in a field and I threw as hard as I could every day for like five to six hours because I had a job that worked in the morning and I got off at 10 o'clock. So I came home, took a nap, went to the practice fields. And the only reason I did that was because my, my partner at the time who got me into the game threw like 410 feet. And I thought that looked really cool and I wanted to do it. So I pushed myself in that field every day until I could. And now I can. Um, but I, like, I fully understand why people think that it comes specifically from me being trans, because like, that's the one thing that makes sense that would, you know, translate from that. Um, but like, when you really boil it down, like, my form is great. Most people don't think it's good. They think I'm looking like I'm throwing effortlessly. And that's on purpose because my form is really good. But people think that like it's just because my power is is easy to use, and that's that's not true. I, I throw as hard as I can on most shots, and mm -hmm. it's it's really really irritating to see people downplay how good I've actually practiced and to get to get where I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I Nick knows like there's probably been like 
two times I've thrown over 400 feet. Like uh, that might be two times too many. Man. Yeah, I mean. and it was downhill. Like I've, cle- <laughs> I've cleared Maple Hill Pond one time in my life, and that was actually probably like six, seven years ago. It was like back when I didn't know what I was doing. I was just hucking as hard as I could. So, Well, hey, I'll hop in oh, for a Evan, second here. Sitting in the background, yeah. Stat Mando, by the way. Welcome. Oh, I, I'm not set up for this skinny camera. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, we were on the ground tracking, you know, radar and distances on hole one all weekend. And so I just quickly pulled up round four. Uh, and, and Natalie, you threw 57 miles an hour and went 428 feet, uh, which is incredible. Uh, on that same car, there was Krista Tatar, who threw 54 and went 423, pretty much the same distance, just a few miles an hour slower. The card before, Paige Pierce threw 58 miles an hour and 431, almost identical to your numbers. Um, and I, I could go down more. I mean, Ella Hansen threw 58 and outdrove you by 30 feet. Um, yeah. So th- there's a lot of cool numbers in there. And from seeing it firsthand all weekend, I didn't really see uh, much of a difference from the top of the field. You all in the field, the top throwers, the top speeds, you were all crushing. And it was really cool to see. It wasn't uh, Natalie sitting 10 miles an hour faster and 100 feet right. further. I didn't see any of that. It was uh, incredible disc golf all weekend. And yeah, those but- are perfect. Thank you for that, Evan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually, it's, you know, great that you're there that weekend because I think that does definitely does open up the eyes as to what Natalie was just saying. Yeah, and, and I want to say that question. It was fun. It was fun to see your reaction as I got through the question. Like, well, I see where this is going, but <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, I was I'm happy to hear that. I I, I didn't know where you were going to go with that, and I thought that was really insightful for our listeners and our viewing audience as well. Um, is there anything that you'd like to close out with? Anything you'd like to say? The platform is yours right now. Before we let you go. We've really appreciated it. Uh, honestly, the only thing I need to say is, is thank you both for letting me come mm-hmm. and, and and speak my mind here and, and talk because it, it's a rarity that I even really get that option a lot of the time. And to for you to provide that for me right now, is, is it, it means a lot. So thank you. The awesome. Bottom of my heart. Absolutely. As I said before you came on, I said, what would the Nick and Bat- Matt show be if we didn't bring good discussion? And I think someone this week um, shook my hand and said, Matt, I like that you ask questions that maybe others don't want to ask. And I like how you keep sticking to it until they answer. So people, our show, hopefully, I believe, is able to listen to this and hear it. Uh, Whether they agree or disagree with the whole situation or whether they want to congratulate you or not. I mean, everybody's at a different place in their journey, um, as we all are. You even said that yourself. I am Nick. Everybody here the Nick and Matt show is. And we're just really, uh, we're, we're excited to offer a platform for anybody Uh, when it makes sense and when it can line up the show. So we're really glad you were able to do that. Just like you said, thank you to us. Thank you for making the time to come on. So we hope you have a good evening and safe travels uh, and good luck at the next event. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Peace out. All right, everybody. Natalie Ryan. And by the way, I'm clearing my throat and stuff because I was screaming like at the MVP Open multiple times. Million dollar shot and times two nights. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, like, Simon and others coming in the final hole. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my throat. So here, I'm drinking, like, our last is Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it away really quick because, I, you know, when Evan was talking about the MPO and FPO stuff going on earlier at the MVP Open, I did kind of want to bring up. So the FPO, you know, went to a playoff, as we all know. Curious as to why they started on 18. I thought that was a little weird since they had just played that hole. I loved the idea of 1 to 18, especially because if people don't know, there's now a path going from 1 to 18. Um, So I was curious why they didn't start on hole 1, which is kind of what I was expecting. 
but it brought this awesome finale to the tournament. And then on the MPO side, I'll say going down into that last hole, I was very, very, very surprised to see Coriolis throw a forehand zone rather than a buttery backhand, <laughs> especially standstill that he's so freaking good at. And then he just consistently does well all the time. It was very, very, very surprising to kind of see the thought process, I guess you could say. Um, and then I think one more thing that I have to say on it is because uh, I was watching on live network as well. And when Simon threw his tee shot in 18, I think he said, like, that's so freaking good or something like that. <laughs> like, he just knew it out of the hand that that was such a pure shot. Simon, shake yes if that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, I thought it was awesome. So it was just, it was really, really cool to. <laughs> he said no, yeah. by the way. He's in the th green thought, room, but I we're just about to get him like on. That. He said something of that's good or I, I, maybe not. Okay. Hey, he can explain it yes. to us when he gets on. Let's do this. Hemfield Botanicals. I saw them at Maple Hills Pro Shop. This is not an advertisement for Maple Hill. But Hemfield Botanicals, they're packaged in a nice little box. I always got to get the focus for the ad here. Nice little box. It's green. It's got a nice little picture of some leaves on it. This is the Muscle Recovery. This is, I will say it, it's my favorite. It has the icy hot feel, and it's something that I go to after a, a round or two or honestly walking the course 59 times this week, <laughs> applying it to the places that are just feeling a little overused or worn out. It helps me recover. You have the salve. Why do I always say that? Sav. Thank you, Nick. A salve for targeted pain relief. Um, it's it's higher in the milligrams of CBD. Works for those places where, hey, I kind of over I stretched my ankle, rolled it a little bit, or banged my elbow on something. It's helpful there. And then, Nick, your favorite. Should I do the application? The no, not this week. I think we've done it enough live. <laughs> That's the sound for our listeners, by the way. Now you can just imagine what that actually looked like. <laughs> but Hemfield Botanicals, go use the code Nick and Matt. You get 20% off. If you haven't used this product before and you have another one, check this one out next time. Use the code, get a good savings, and support us. Support Hemfield Botanicals. Uh, really excited to be working with them. Without further ado, if our guest is ready, Simon Lazat, everybody. We're going to welcome him to the show. It's been a few episodes. I think we were on every 10 for a while, and I think we're on like every 50 now. So let's bring him in. Welcome to the show, Simon Lazat. Hey. Thanks, guys. Welcome. What's up? How you doing? Uh, exhausted. It's been a long weekend, of course. It's been long weeks, honestly, from my last Holy couple smokes. of weeks of life. And uh, today, again, 10 a.m. I was on the course filming for my big disc release coming up this week. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Two more yeah. weeks and then I'm done. I'm looking forward go. to it. Well, first off, congratulations. Absolutely epic way to win a tournament from the chase guard. And I think in your interview, you had said, you know, at no point, especially, excuse me, after the first round, did you feel like you were even in contention to win the tournament. So to kind of hold up against, I would say, all odds, you only had a 3% win rate after going into the final round, I think. 3% uh, win chance on UDISC. Um, and to come out and pull out the victory is a pretty pretty incredible moment, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of easier to win, I guess, when you never think you're going to win. Because hmm. right. uh, that takes kind of all the pressure off of your back and... You just go out there and try your best. I mean, golf is, of course, a game where it's never over till it's over. Everyone knows that. And 
giving up is just never an option, even though it seems very tempting very often to just <laughs> give up. Mm -hmm. But uh, on my home course here at Maple Hill with the vibes in the gallery, there is obviously no giving up. So I go out there every day, try my best. And it just happened to be my personal best to 10 down on that course is uh, a pretty solid round. Like a lot of things have to go your way mm -hmm. to be cruising through that track like that. I never thought before Sunday morning, I never thought, thought that 10 down was even going to be enough to win. The way it went down at the end, of course, I think everyone's seen it was uh, a nail biter and it came down to nerves, of course, on the 18th hole again, that green man, as much as you, I just filmed a vlog today and I said that the, in, the position that Corey was in is kind of the dream to be right there, to have the chance to mm. win. But at the same time, it is as easy as the shot is, it's so hard and you want to be in that position but at the same time you kind of don't want to be in that position oh, to have man. to make that shot to win mm -hmm. so yeah i was just there sitting on the rocks next to the basket just couldn't even watch it was it was pretty intense for me too so natalia says she doesn't watch live because it's too much but once you were already in with your score was she then able to watch live or did she did she have to wait for you to text her well, she said that our son was having a meltdown oh. right when everything was getting tense. Uh, <laughs> so she was trying to keep track and watch, but she was she had her hands full with yeah. family stuff. So I, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Yeah, I was just a mad. Yeah, well, the kid if the kid's having a meltdown, you know, I understand that. And then times something important is happening. It's always the case. It's just the way it is. All right, I gotta Maybe ask. Well. What is going on this year where you're just coming away with these victories? Like what, what in your game has changed? What mentality has changed? What's been going on to where we're seeing just a brand new Simon Lazat this and, whole year? And you can't say, I don't know. We discussed yeah. this before the show. Simon we're like, we're not letting you get away with an I don't know answer. <laughs> we want to, we want to know something. Something's different, Simon. <laughs> well, the main two different things are, first of all, physically, I am feeling better right now than I have probably in the last three years. Um, I'm probably not feeling as good as I was when I was like young 20s back in the good old days. Uh, I'm turning 30 in about five weeks, so life Ooh. is about to change. Mm -hmm. Again. And the only thing I really changed this offseason was going to my basement and making 30 footers 25 to 30 footers i tried to do like three to 400 putts a day and it is not showing as consistently as i would like on the courses but at least four times this year it's, mm -hmm. my putting was pretty spot on especially in the moments where it had to be so i guess i can contribute my win to some putting practice and then just physically being pain free for the last couple of months has been pretty nice so the Ooh. chat the chat's alluding to this and i know that i've heard others comment this you, that youtube video you did with paul once you take the paul lines he takes the simon lines people keep going back to that they, they're like paul Macbeth showed him how to play smart like is there any credibility to that where you were like in that video you're like huh or had you always known that i mean of course i i always know but for me it was always kind of like a balance act of having fun, doing what seems more important to me, like blowing the locals' minds with a crazy Simon line or 
throwing the hero shot that no one else would even attempt, kind of the risk versus reward when it comes to winning and competing in tournaments was for me kind of out of whack if you would compare it to most other professional athletes. Mm -hmm. But for, for some reason, for me, it was always cooler to have this story of the one crazy shot. And if I travel to a, a lot of courses throughout the U.S. I can travel to and the locals will see me and come up to me and say, do you remember throwing this mm -hmm. crazy shot? And like everyone still talks about it here. It's like a legend. Mm -hmm. But who won that tournament there seven years ago? No one cares. <laughs> You're that way. So, so, pa so Paul's that way with majors. He's like, who cares about the elite? They only talk about the major. You're that way with it's shots. True. You're like, who cares about winning? They remember the shot. So where are you no, at with it nowadays, though? Where are you at with it nowadays? <laughs> Well, I was I drove Jerome uh, to the airport. I'm back here in Boston uh, earlier today, Easy and man. I was listening to the. Oh, super busy! And uh, I was listening to the Foundation podcast about the MVP Open, and they were talking a bit about Paige's interview she gave before the event last weekend, where she kind of said along the lines of, uh, she kind of lost." the drive or really this will to mm -hmm. win right now. And she's kind of just like, uh, I don't really care. I just kind of out here to have fun. And then they kind of compared that to what I usually say is that, yeah, winning isn't really why I play. Winning doesn't drive me. That does not mean that winning isn't fun. <laughs> winning is extremely fun. And of course I go out there and I'm sure Paige also goes out there and I try my best. Playing well is one of the most fun things I, I have in my life is when I go out and play disc golf like I want to be playing. It's rare, but when it happens, it's extremely fun. And then when the, the, a win is a result of that, that is a huge bonus. And of course, those moments are, are really cool and almost unforgettable for, for my life. So... I enjoy winning. Mm -hmm. It is extremely fun, but honestly, I, I don't play to win. That it might sound a bit lame, but I go out there and I want to do well. And if I play really well and I don't win, I don't know if I'm saying this for wrong reasons, but it feels like the truth um, that I go out there and if I play well and not win, that I would be just as happy as if I play mm -hmm. well and win. Do you that's, find yourself throwing as many? as many fun shot i'll just say simon shots like that you said that make the crowds go crazy are you doing that as much as you used to um mostly now i mean i have to be still a bit careful with my elbow i can't do extremely crazy things at least not multiple times per day i can pull off a crazy shot here and there i'm actually counting my sidearms every day i can throw mm. like up to five per day without having to really worry about anything. And my sidearm is feeling better than ever right now. It's like mm -hmm. pinpoint, it feels like more often than not right now in these uh, wooded courses. So that's been a great tool to have as well. And if I find myself out of contention or a bit bored maybe, or things are not really going my way, I will definitely still unpack some Simon lines and try some stuff just to make an impression on the locals and the crowds and entertain the fans because for me, that's the huge part of my job. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge part. So how many, if you had to estimate how many photographs, uh, not photographs. Yeah, sure. Photographs, autographs. How many people came through your line throughout the whole week? Like there are different times your autograph. If you had to give a number, hundreds? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was probably almost close to four digits over the whole weekend. Oof. It was a lot. Probably the most it's been all year, not counting Finland. Finland was a next level experience <laughs> for us. But no, it was crazy. After the round, at least, I would say at least 20 to 30 minutes after every round, just signing. And I, I've i done a lot of signing sessions back at the Discovery Warehouse. And so I got really fast at my signature. So I can go like, just like cruising with the signatures one after the next. So in 20 minutes, I can probably sign a couple hundred of discs <laughs> if the line keeps moving fast. Even though Americans love the small talk, so every single person in the line has to get something in with me. And oh, me being from, from Europe and being a bit more reserved as a German, it's really tough and mentally super exhausting to have like a little interaction 200 times after a four hour round. And yeah, I just wanna, I just wanna lay down and try to not think about anything after my rounds, mm -hmm. just because it's, it's so much. Sometimes, no, I'm not gonna say that. Okay. Next, next good, good yeah, call, so good call. Here, here's, so talking about autographs and things like that, in full clarity, I realized I was following Paul and Ricky and uh, Dylan, local and Casey White, they came in and I was in the scoring tent with them, they were eating something, they were sharing it with me, then you came in after your card. And I don't think I realized how advanced like you went, like 10 down, like 16 under. And then I think Paul said something and then you walked in and I'm there. The live cameras are in there and someone texts me, Matt, you're on live. And I'm like, what? So I get a disc for a kid that's outside the tent. Literally, it's not for me. And I want this to be on record because everyone thinks I was fanboying with Simon getting an autograph. And you I, smeared it. Okay. You could say that part of it too. <laughs> I get it. For, I say to the kid, I say, he's on team MVP, the kid. And I say, who do you want? Raven? Cause Raven was in there and he goes, no, Simon. And I said, you know what? Simon, Simon will sign this for you. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I got you another signature, but I, I handed it to you. That was a great moment. Yeah. Great moment. It was wonderful. All live. And you sign it, you hand it back to me and my thumb goes right where you signed it and it smeared it. You look at me and you look stressed, dude. Like, your, your face to me was like, I didn't know what was going on right in that moment. And you're like, you just smeared it. And I, I was like, no, I didn't. You're like, yes, you just smeared it. And I didn't, I don't think our audio was on camera, but people thought I was like just smiling and like, thank you, Simon, for the autograph. I hand it back to the kid. And then I realized like, dude, you're going to, you might win it. And it was getting stressful. Is that how you were feeling in the player shack? Yeah, my stress level was rising I first checked scores after hole 12. Um, actually, mainly because I wanted to see that I'm so far back that I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> but as I checked scores after hole 12, I was tied for the lead. Uh, granted, the lead card was, I think, two or three holes behind us at that point. So it didn't mean a lot, but it was still, for some odd reason, it wasn't what I wanted to see because then my stress level went from zero to 5,000. Um, so my stress levels, stress levels sl st slowly started rising. I birdied 13 with a nice crashed hyzer over the trees. That's and a Simon line. Just, yeah, just missed 14 and 15, got 16 and 17. And then I saw I had that two stroke lead. 
um, with they had three or four holes left to play, and they were already putting for birdie on 15. So I was like, man, if I throw a good drive on 18, I, I have to make that choice of do I have to go for this to have a chance to win, or do I just get the par, be in the clubhouse at 16 under? So kind of good thing I threw an absolutely horrible drive, and that was back to Nick's comment uh, a couple minutes ago. That great shot was on 17. I, I think I heard you say 18 earlier. So someone 17. said that. I, th I thought I said 17. I, I meant to say 17, but someone yeah, was saying that 18. I said 18. So no, on 17, I meant right 17. out of my hand, I said, um, keep going. And then the second I saw that it was keeping going, I was like, that is so good. I turned around instantly and said, that's so good. That, <laughs> that, that, that is what happened. But on 18... Okay. I threw an absolutely shank, way too much turn. My play there is actually to go high, mm -hmm. flex shot over the trees on the right, and then swing it back late because that, I don't know, it feels kind of more comfortable for me than trying to throw a flippy disc on like a hyzer flip through the gap. You and bogeyed I that. Completely. You, that. That throw style caused a bogey in round one. Exactly. I, but my round one throw was better. Okay. But it went OB because it was better. That's kind of the... The odd thing about disc golf sometimes is that better throws sometimes get more punished than worse throws, which in this case, lucky for me, I threw a much worse tee shot and it hit the one tree that was still kind of in the fairway on the right and bounced me to the left of the fairway, which was pretty much best case scenario for a throw that bad. And I turned around right after that shot and said, oh my God, that was so lucky. And at that point I knew I, I didn't, have a choice to go for it. So that made my life a lot easier, a lot less stressful than if I would have had thrown a really good tee shot. Who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have won if I would have thrown a really good tee shot and went for it and missed the island. Because mm -hmm. mm. I knew that was going to be my big decision. I talked to Matt Bell on TPAT 18 as well before I threw my tee shot that, man, I'm about to have to make a tough decision. And Matt was like, yeah, and it's not an obvious one either. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was an interesting round, but I just felt like, like at all my other wins this year, that things were just falling into place. And as much as I don't really believe in the supernatural, <laughs> when those discs are flying through the air and it's out of your control, you just can watch sometimes and it's not, you just, there's no explanation for what happens. Sometimes it's just unbelievably good and sometimes it's just miserable. It's just, it's a back and forth. And uh, Saturday and Sunday at Maple Hill, like, Pretty much everything that happened to my discs out of my control was positive. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. Now talk to us about the environment at Maple Hill. It was the second playoff event, the final playoff event this year before the Pro Tour Championships. You took down the win to it. So that's an incredible experience in and of itself. But kind of the atmosphere in general, there was the million dollar ace shot that you were a part of. There was the eight holes, the 14ers, like all these different areas of just kind of something that you don't see at different tournaments. You just kind of describe what the atmosphere is like at Maple Hill and how has it grown? Yeah, it, it turned out to be one of the most badass tournaments of the year. I think uh, Maple Hill always delivers. And I think this year it delivered more than ever. I think every change they've made to the course in the past year has, has been a great change. The course looks better. It's more challenging than ever. And it's getting more and more fair also as, as the changes come in. And for like a wooded track, it's, it's definitely, I mean, everyone knows, I, I've said this a billion times in my videos <laughs> and on, 
on record that it's, it's one of the best tracks in the world. There's no doubt. And it's, it's really awesome to have that as a home course. What I was super, super impressed with the volunteers and the spotters, it, it was, it almost felt like it was like above and beyond what they were doing for us. Like every disc was marked with a flag. I don't know if that was like the privilege of the lead cards and the late cards or if that was for everyone, but I guess it was for everyone because I didn't see a single backup all weekend, which was yeah. crazy for a course like Maple Hill. Usually there's multiple holes there where you just sit around and wait for 20 minutes before you can throw. So overall, I, I can't even say enough about the gallery. It was the cheers I got on hole one, extremely humbling. I, I don't know how to react to so much excitement and love towards <laughs> me. So um, I guess I feel a bit embarrassed sometimes, but no, it's, it's just absolute. It was a super pleasure to play. Hold whole eight eight holes gets all different reactions but i've i saw a yeah. lot of players this week um embrace the love and you'd see king of the eight holes zach benson shout out to him you'd see him because i joined the eight holes at one point this week he does this like slow raise his hands raise his hands and then everybody at once clap clap and it just keeps going as you're walking up did you embrace that did you like wave take your hat off like what how did you handle that <clears throat> Yeah, I handled it all right. There's really nothing you can do as a competitor at that point. You might as well just embrace it. If you like it or you don't like it, there's nothing else you can do but just freaking go with the flow. And it's different. Um, if you throw a good shot, you're going to love it. If you throw a terrible shot and double bogey like I did round one, um, you're going to be like, oh, man, is this really necessary? It's, it's one of those things where... If you're doing great, you love it. If you're not doing great, you think, ah, oh, maybe not necessary. But overall, I think it's a real, it's a, it's a really cool thing. Okay, Emerson Keith threw into that ad, that floating advertisement on hole eight. You know the birdie one. So yeah. he threw <laughs> he his me. shot into it. Now he's like, it might have skipped in, whatever. He doesn't know. But as he walked up, the gallery, the eight holes, had collected money and literally paid him like well over a hundred dollars like here you go emerson and he goes i've never been paid for a bad shot so they were they were doing both sides of it if they could so that was kind of I, I will say this in their defense um anytime someone threw a b they were still like oh you know all right come on like and they're still kind of like trying to cheer him up but then when people hit the drop zone putt they go <laughs> ballistic and uh when it comes to the cheering aspect of it i i super appreciate what they are doing and uh, I, I think it's really cool. It, it just, I don't know. It's a really, really cool atmosphere that I guess, you know. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, it's, it, the only issue is that on half of the course, you can get super yes. razzed yes. by the loud, sudden cheers and mm -hmm. the frequency. And I, I've talked to players and they're like, I'm trying to time my throw and my run up or my putt <laughs> with the cheers. Mm -hmm. And that's just another thing to think about while you're shot. And, it's already so much going on, especially um, in these wooded fairways with uh, so many people trying to watch. There's so many distractions going on. And if we're used to, or if we go out there and expect like standstill crowds, like no movements and no like complete silence would be ideal, of course. Um, then you're just going to have a really bad time because that's just not possible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Maple Hill, I think, is one of the toughest places right now for for silence to be possible and there's a lot of rattling and a lot of movements 
in every single shot going on and you just it's it's going to be part of the game moving forward with more and more people coming out and watching so mm -hmm. i think the times where we have perfect silence and no movements and no distractions are close to over in disc golf you're kind of making the point yourself but i just want to enhance it maybe out from my side a little bit it's it's kind of going to be inherent with the sport yes we can probably limit it somewhat control it a little bit but like hole 14, and this is going to happen. This is this is kind of a separate conversation. But Missy was putting. Missy was putting on hole nine, lead card, and I don't remember what it was for. It's probably for a par save or something. And literally hole 14. You you did this in your vlog. So if anyone wants to memorize this or think about it, Simon threw from his vlog from like hole 14's like basket area over to hole nine. It's it's across the other side of the pond. You can see it clearly. Missy's putting, and one of the other FPL competitors throws a hole-in-one, an ace, on 14. And there is now a gallery that's building on 14, almost like the eight holes. I was, like, going to lose my mind. I was like, this is insane. There's going to be another eight holes on hole 14. And they're doing very similar things, but the roar of the crowd was so loud, and Missy was just about to putt, that she had to literally just stop, turn around, and, like, clap for hole 14 across the pond. And so it razzed her. So then she goes to readdress her putt. And now the person who threw the ace is running down 14's, you know, uh, road or trail. And the crowd starts roaring as she gets closer, right as Missy's about to putt again. And Missy misses her putt and goes OB. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it's like this weird thing of like, people are cheering on the course for like something epic that happened. It's hard to know how to handle that. But yeah, generally positive, generally positive. Next time we'll just all be silent for the ace, Matt. <laughs> it was like obviously it, that doesn't work. I'm no, kidding. It was it was loud and awesome. The eight holes. I saw it a couple of times, uh, but especially on lead card, they waited till like Corey Ellis was literally on the tee pad about throw, and then they go, and now introducing it. So and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why it worked that way this time. And okay. I was going to bring it up after I saw, the Simon. I saw it on 14 yeah, goals. I was going to bring it up after the Simon interview because I didn't want to spend too much time on the eight holes while Simon's here. But remind <laughs> me afterwards that that's something that we'll talk about. Okay. My, my son tonight, Simon, at the dinner table out of the blue. I, maybe it wasn't out of the blue. Maybe he heard you were coming on. But he says, I can't wait until Vlogmas. I <laughs> he's already thinking of it like dude where you're at in this week in this time is there even a chance you're doing it again this year well I am planning a family trip with my wife and child to Germany in December for like the I don't know what you call it in America like the pre-Christmas time sure. the holiday like season the two weeks before Christmas we want to go spend in Germany and then come back to Boston for Christmas celebration and New Year's. And if I do that trip, we haven't booked it yet, but uh, it's like a pretty serious plan that is going to happen. I don't know how Vlogmas is going to happen if I travel to Germany. I mean, I could vlog there, but as a family trip and then do the stress of Vlogmas, I don't quite see it happening, but... Uh, I'll help you I'll, out through November. We'll pre-record them all. Yeah, right after the season. That's I would what I'm love saying. To burn myself out even That's more. what I'm saying. That's why I said, <laughs> is there any chance of that? Probably not. Um, okay, no. let's do this. Evan has a stat or fiction lined up. This is three questions, and we're going to see if you can win one more time. <laughs> Evan. All right, let's do it. Ready? Yes, I am. Stat or fiction presented by Stat Mando. 
Oh, got to clear those scores every time. Oh, come on, <laughs> there Ben. There we go. Evan, take All it right. away. So, I mean, you know the game, so let's just get right into it. Stat or fiction number one, Simon Lazat became the sixth MPO player to win an Elite Series or Major from the Chase card. I feel like someone Simon would have Lizotte already told him this. became the sixth MPO player to win an Elite Series or Major from the Chase card. I'm going fiction. I'm going fiction. Well, in that case, of course, I'm going stat. <laughs> it's the gamer. I just want to say that it's going to be like he was the seventh player or I the think, fifth yes, player. I think it's like the fourth or fifth or yeah. something. It's going to be something like that, or it's the sixth. All right. This is fiction, and he's not the fourth, fifth, or seventh player. He's actually the tenth player. Okay. I thought that wow. was different enough. I um, would have, yes. No, in fact, had you said the tenth, Oh, I guess I would have said fiction. I'm you trying might to think. Have, you might have thought it was fiction. He would have thought yeah, it was fiction. Yeah, I would have tricked you there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so man, I, well, I should have done that. Lucky. Well, dang it. But, uh, yeah, to quickly run through it, I mean, we saw Eagle McMahon do it in 2020 at Idlewild, Colton Montgomery in the Short and Waco event in 2020 as well, Matt Bellett, uh, Delaware, Drew Gibson at 2019 Portland, Paul McBeth did it twice in 2015 at Beaver State in 2018 at Idlewild, Nico LaCastro in 2011 Texas States, Dave Felberg at Skylands Classic in 2010, also in 2010, Climo did it twice at the Sunshine State Shootout and Masters Cup, and oh. the first time it ever happened at an Elite Series or Major was Steve Rico in 2008 at the Masters Cup. 12 total times, uh, including Simon How many? MVP. You said that fast. How many in this current, like, decade? Like, since, what is it, 2012? 2012, that would be Paul once. No, Paul twice, excuse me. Uh, so one, two, Eagle. three, four, five, six. So this is the seventh. Okay, still so a fair amount. Simon would be the sixth player this last 10 years. Do you? This is a Simon uh, question. This is a Simon question or Evan. Do you think we're going to start seeing more because the, the strength of the field just keeps increasing? Anybody? No? All right. Next question. I mean, there's going to be more, but probably not many now. Okay. All right. Good question. I, I, yeah, I think I think more, but not all the time. It's not going to be an every week thing. All right, Evan. That was a good one, but we got lucky, me and Nick, I think. Yeah. All right. Um over in FPO, Deanne Carey finished, I believe it was tied for fourth, but picked up a top five. The stat or fiction is Deanne Carey picked up her first Elite Series or major top five finish this weekend, as in she had zero before this event. This was her first top five finish in Elite Series or major. Um, I go first here, and I don't know why these are coming off as simple to me, but I'm going to say stat. I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. Simon. My first instinct was to say fiction. Oh, boy. And I don't know why, but I'm going to stick with the gut. I'm going to go stat. Oh, no. No, don't do it to me. <laughs> we got to play darts. Forget stat or fiction. All right, go ahead, Evan. All right. This is stat. Uh, unfortunately, sorry to say it. Uh, her previous best Elite Series and Major was 7th at 2021 D-Glow. Um, she, however, did win a uh, the silver Resistance series. Disc Open, uh, which was a Silver Series, but was not an Elite Series or Major. Well, uh, it's always awkward to bring a guest on and start to just skunk them at anything, so I'll I try. Like it. I like it. All right, More. go ahead, Evan. All right, here we go. Uh, the last MVP Open Ace on Hole 8 was by Paul Macbeth in round one 
of the 2020 MVP Open. Who the last me? MVP. Yeah. Wait, can you repeat it one more time, last, please? The last MVP Open ace on hole eight was by Paul Macbeth in round one of the 2020 MVP Open. And that, that obviously includes Vibram if it was further past. Just this event as a whole. But there's no Vibram because you said since 2020, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying in general this, <laughs> this recurring event. Whether in the last two years at Maple Hills event, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I was on his card when that happened. Hmm. Have you aced it I in have... an event? <laughs> no, but my first time ever playing Maple Hill in 2017. My second shot on that hole was an ace. Oh, wow. My first round on, at Maple Hill. So that was pretty cool. Um, I'm just going to say that's a trick question. So I'm going to say stat. I'm going fiction. I can't, I can't do that to Simon. <laughs> no, do it. Do it. Do it. Do oh, it. Hold on. Just one more time. Paul was the last person you're saying? The last person to ace hole eight in uh, the MVP Open tournament setting was 2020 round one, Paul McBeth. I'm trying to remember when the new T-pad went in. Simon, do you feel like disclosing when you were with Paul, which T-pad was at that? At? Was that the shorter it one? It was the original. Okay. Um, yeah, Steve Brinster aced it same day, I think, earlier. And Nico aced it that week, too, I think. No, that was that was, it was the year before? Year. That was like multiple years before. Oh, man. I'm way off. It's where he screams in the camera, let's go! <laughs> It's yeah. all pumped up. Um, then, yeah, I mean, the new... Okay, yeah, stat. So, I win or Nick wins. Nice. Don't have to have a bonus question, which I, of course, have prepared, if it needs be. But this is fiction. Nick, do you know who got the ace? I think or it's did Brinster. you just guess I think, fiction? No, I think it was round two or three. Brinster did it. I, don't, I didn't think it was the same day. Well... You are wrong, although you got oh. the question right. Brinster was in round one. I'm not sure if it was before or after Paul Macbeth because it doesn't matter because Nathaniel Lundstrom aced That's it in right. round three yep. of that round. Yep. Yep. Uh, he yep. finished local local player who finished in 94th. Mm -hmm. uh, my tiebreaker question was, what did he shoot that round, which was a 10 <laughs> over, not to highlight that because obviously an ace on hole eight is incredible. Um, but I knew it would get someone because, I mean – Paul Macbeth and Steve yeah. Brinster are the aces you're going to remember just naturally. But I thought I thought Brinster was second round. That's why. Did we give Simon negative points? <laughs> oh, Ben, like don't intern don't ben, do that to him, Ben. I was trying to clear it; it just happened. But just to be, you can still <laughs> clear you. it. But just to be clear, besides Nate Lundstrom, there have been no aces on hole eight in that event. There there have been no aces since it got moved back. That Interesting. People are hitting a, it all week. There was tons of, not tons, but there was a yeah. couple basket hits that were like inches from I, going in. That last round with, oh my goodness. First of all, Cannon, Gannon Burst almost ace that yeah. turned into an almost, almost OB. an OB. That would have been the most ruthless yeah. uh, roll away I've ever seen. Cannon but. hit the basket on hole three and hole eight in the round. I mean, he was just really nice shooting. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, we've taken up enough of this busy man's life. In fact, I'm surprised you came on, Simon. I'm happy you did, but I'm surprised. I said, I'll still send you the invite, and you said, I'll do it. Easy, easy. No worries. <laughs> easy, I easy. Have a, I, have a, I have a shameless plug. Yes, put them full screen, Ben. Mindbender. Ben, there we go. Yeah, Mindbender. Whoa. My third, 
my, fur, my third signature disc release of this year. And fun fact, the weekend before all three of my big signature releases, I won the Pro Tour tournament. So I guess uh, lucky timing for me. But this is a Metal Flake C-Line MD1. It's a bit retooled to be slightly flatter. And the plastic is just a touch softer, which I was asking for. Um, I love the C-Line of this mini, of course, but it's very stiff in, in the cold winters up here in New England. I asked for a bit more soft, a bit more grippy, and these turned out just so perfect. They have, a, they have just a ton of glide. And I think not only for the pros, but uh, for, the, for the everyday disc golfer, this is the point and shoot coolest mid-range disc mini I've ever made. And I'm super happy with it. And if you like frogs, you're sold already. Simon, if I threw that disc, you've played a few rounds with me. You know I'm pretty noodle armish. But, like, if I threw that disc and I got a good, like, threw it how it's supposed to be, is it going to go straight? Is it going to flip? Is it going to hyzer, like, for me? Uh, your mind will be blown. That's for sure. It's going to go <laughs> slight hyzer release, and it'll pop up flat and just ride oh, no. slightly, ever so slowly to the right. Oh, no. And then have a straight, slight I need it. It sounds like it fit. And you know what, Simon? This is this is actually, I think it's really serious. I have never thrown a Discmania disc in a tournament or league or I don't even think in a round. I don't even have one in my bag. The way you just described that, I'm going to have to sneak over there and put it in my bag. It could be my very first Discmania disc. It sounds like the type of disc I'd like to throw. So that's awesome. Yeah, I just got done editing my vlog for the... Uh, I'm posting that tomorrow, and then the, the release is on Wednesday, the 28th, two days from now. And I had a fun time editing that. I filmed with Colton Montgomery and Jerome Brown, nice. German legend. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a little fun round of pyramids, a little some ace runs, and they tried to beat me as a doubles team in a mindbender only round of pyramids. So nice. it was a fun edit. So I can't look for that tomorrow on my YouTube channel. Also. I can't ask Jerome this. But maybe he told you, was this like a trip of like a decade or even a lifetime for him? He was over here for a while. A lot of cool things he's experienced with you. Yeah, he just finished his master's degree over in Germany. And oh. it was, he had some money saved up. And he said, Simon, I have a couple thousand dollars saved up. I, I mean, we've been playing disc golf together since like 2005, 2006. His dad plays disc golf. His brother plays disc golf. And we were messaging for months and months in advance planning this. And he just kind of pulled the trigger and said, flights are booked. I'm coming. Wow. Uh, and I was like all for it. Having a German <laughs> friend, a longtime friend with me on the road has been super cool. The two times he caddied for me, he only caddied for me two rounds. Final round in Des Moines, final round at MVP Open. And he's definitely <laughs> nice. a 1050 rated caddy, even though his game was not as good as he wanted it to be here. He, he's a solid player. He's a thousand rated player. But uh, these courses for him were obviously something to get used to because over in Germany, we don't really have anything like that. But no, the two months, nine weeks total with Jerome here, I would do it again anytime. Hell yeah. I got to say, before you leave, Simon, I think with everything that's happened this year, just in disc golf in general, I think Simon has one of the greatest moments is when you were putting at Des Moines on the final playoff <laughs> hole and mid-putt, you point to the right, like towards the crowd. <laughs> and I just think that was like the most badass thing. We need t-shirts. I, I want someone like, I really want to see hat. a high quality picture of that. And I'm, I'm hoping there is one out there. 
but um, that was. Such... I think I've seen a good one. It was almost as badass as Albert Tam's first ever bazooka, the bazooka. at the European Open. Yeah, because it was also kind of mid putt. I think. Yeah, yours was mid putt. As... Yeah. Yours, yeah, yours um, was mid putt, and it was for the win at a playoff, like in a playoff <laughs> at an elite series event, like an insane playoff uh, too. Like, I don't know for you guys both to just cash in massive birdie putts on three, and then for him to get the trump, you know what do we call it? The not trump, the uh, trunk trunk gate. Is that where people are stump gate? Stump, stump. gate. That's what people trunk call gate. It. Trunk. I, was, I meant to say trunk, <laughs> like and then tree I said trunk. trunk. Yeah, 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 I meant to say trunk, but. Um, no, definitely one of the coolest moments. I think it's just been such an incredible year as a friend to watch you succeed. I've said it before on the show. If Paul's not in contention to win the tournament, 100% of the time, I'm rooting for Simon to win it. I think just as a close friend of mine, it's awesome to see success. Yeah, Nick, are you going to be in Charlotte or Rock Hill? I'm going to try to come down to Rock Hill the final day. I'm teaching in clinic. What do you, before you leave, do you do you know what dates USCGC is? Does it end on the tenth? Yeah, it ends it on the Sunday. Thursday and ends Sunday. It's like which is the ninth? Is it Sunday the tenth though? It's Sunday the ninth. The ninth. Yes, it's Sunday the ninth. It is. Oh, so I'm teaching it is a Sunday. On... Okay, Nick. Today is a Monday. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I thought I was teaching a clinic on the eighth, but it might be not. Anyways, I'm gonna try to be down there for the final round. Very cool. But I'm in Massachusetts cool. yeah. for another week and a half. If you want to play some darts. Or disc golf. Dude, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, darts oh. league, seven thirty at Half Moon Tavern in Shrewsbury, baby. Let's go. You just told it go? To, the whole world is going to be there now. Can I go to spectate it? Like, are they cool with that? Oh yeah, sweet. I'll be there. Seven thirty. Bar. Anyone can go. Well, you know, <laughs> like you know. But the fact of the matter is, we got a large yeah. audience tonight who's going to show up now. Yeah. But that's okay. I'll be there. What? Okay. We yeah. said one Perfect. last question, we like gallery. literally twenty Hell minutes yeah. ago. But throwing for a million dollars. Was it just fun or was it kind of like, eh, like whatever? Well, we got super lucky that the wind died down literally 10 minutes before we started throwing. So that was a bonus. So at first we were all standing up on the tee pad and we were like, this is literally impossible, which kind of made sense because it's a million dollars in the, in the disc golf throw. It's like, of course it's going to be pretty much impossible, <laughs> but, uh, as Albert threw his first shot, we all started looking at each other and we were like, whoa, this is actually possible. So, of course, there were a, a bit of nerves and it, it felt really cool and special. And the gallery was obviously going wild and everyone wanted it to happen. Steve Dodge, who invested, I think, a couple thousand dollars to have this million dollar thing going. Um, pretty awesome, typical Steve Dodge idea. And I'm so glad he pulled it off. And maybe, who knows, maybe this is a a thing in the future now where we work and have cool things like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool for the viewers at home and even cooler for the for the gallery that's at location and for the players, of course. I mean, winning a million dollars is obviously uh, life changing. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I already made myself plans what car I was going to buy and what <laughs> property I was going to buy and build a disc golf course. You guys were talking yeah, about taxes, splitting, right? You would have taken away like four to 450 grand. Uh, yeah. I'll take 600 then. Yeah. That's fine. yeah. You, you guys were all on the tee pad, like talking about splits or no splits, and I'll buy you the everyone. It was a good conversation to hear and be a part yeah, of. Paul, Paul McBeth, right before the shot, we were talking about um, the Audi R8, has for uh, a decade probably been my dream car. Paul, of course, has a McLaren at home, but he told me <laughs> if he makes it, he's going to buy me an R8. 
And as an exchange, of course, if I make it, I have to buy him an R8. And I was like, bro, I'm not going to buy a millionaire freaking R8. Like, give me a break. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we talked about that for sure. Oh, that is funny. Thank you so much, Simon, for coming on. Um, I hope, you know, you're able to relax, maybe grab a beer, whatever you want to do for the night and rest. Your day has been long and we've made it towards. There you go. Look, right. That's good stuff, man. I'll have some of that, too. Someone came yeah, up to me this week. And they were like, dude, I feel like I've shared all a lot of first things with you. Your first beer, from the time I had it with you and Avery, like they were meeting me. They're like, I feel like I know you so well. I had your first beer with you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Anyways, what were you going to say? Um, we're sleep training our baby this week. Wow. And uh, I've heard a lot of different theories, a lot of different stories on sleep training and strategies. Because, oh man, I've been with uh, my family for about three weeks now. Yeah. And we need to sleep more to uh, say... <laughs> Same. So if there's people out there that have good tips for sleep training a baby, I will send Stephanie. Stephanie's done it with four children now. And I think we have a good routine we figured out. There's a book. I will uh, text you it later. Just oh, so I, you can I, read have, it. I have books. I have I'm books. I'm sure you do. It worked for us We're in trying. a lot of ways, but everyone's different. All right, man. Get some yeah. sleep then. Get some sleep. Great having you on the show. All right. See you later, Nick, brother. I'll see, see you later. at some point this week. Let's go golfing. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Peace. All right, later. Peace. Wow. We just packed in two action-packed interviews, everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that was a good one. That takes me back to episode one. Yeah. Simon Lazat, episode one. Well, Simon's got to be the dude who's been on our podcast the most. And if any guests that we've ever had, is that by, true? Yes, it's true. It's got to be by a significant amount. Oh, I, would I mean, the amount so. of times that Simon's... Been in studio, remote, yeah. anything. He's always. I, I don't. I wonder who's second. Could it be Paul? No, because we've only had Paul on what maybe four to five times. Three. I feel More like there's other guests. It's that probably we've had on probably Nick. <clears throat> no, <laughs> at this we'll figure yeah. we'll figure it out. Page or Ricky? No, I think it, oh Ricky. I think it's Paul. Ricky was That's like I think. three or four, but I think Paul's more. You go back towards the beginning. Paul, it Paul, happened a fair maybe. amount more. Paul's had okay. like, Paul has had like two like two-minute interviews where he's just like a mixed background and pops on and has something to oh, say. Oh, yeah, remember? That's, that's cheating. We're talking about a legitimate guest on the show. No, but, but there yes. have been times where, yeah, you were yeah. sitting down with one microphone in yeah. the studio and foundation. Yep. I think we've yep. done a lot. Anyways, yep. that's yep. something to I figure out I will say, Paul's gotten us the most views out of anyone by a <laughs> long time. I told Paul, yeah. I told Paul the other night when we were hanging out at your house, Nick, on Friday, mm -hmm. I said, hey, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Nick gets a bonus when yeah, you come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, what? It's right, like, thanks for winning Worlds. You, you know, signed my paycheck this week. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it was pretty nice of him for doing that. It was pretty nice. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yeah. But here, okay, we're down towards the end of the show. But as always, when I say that, it means there's a few more things to talk about. Yeah. I ran this idea one by my yeah. Go ahead. Nick. I wanted to bring up the eight holes thing again. Really do it. Quick, do it while I think about head. this. Do so it. tell me. Ben earlier was bringing up how on the last hole, and I saw a lot of comments about this just on social media in general. Um, how the eight holes had kind of stopped play on hole eight, the final round for the lead card, and I don't think it was their intention. I do think that they stopped a little bit of play. I do think, and I'll say this is my own personal opinion. I don't think anyone else should be on the green that's not a player or a volunteer or someone that's like legitimately supposed to be on the green. I and Coriel has said that literally at when he stopped that he came back and said, I don't mind if they make noise, just get off the 
green. He yeah. literally said that. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't think like anyone, I don't think we need to announce people's names before they're coming up. We're all going to see who it is anyways. More than likely, everyone's checking scores. But I will say the final round where Zach starts doing the clapping motion, the reason that they were delayed on it, and this is what I think, is normally during the round, when you finish hole seven, you walk down towards hole eight's blue pad. And then you pass the white pad, and then you get to the gold pads. When you're the lead card, there's no one behind you. So you walk down the pathway to hole seven that you Good had just point. played. And so they didn't notice that they had finished the hole. And they then all of a sudden they were like, oh, dang, they're already on the hole right now Good without point. doing the class or the, the introduction. I think that's the reason why that it got delayed. Be. I would say once again that I don't think that anyone else should be on the green. I don't you know, care if you started up the eight holes or not. I love Zach. I think what he's done to make that crowd awesome is incredible. We talked about bringing him on tonight, and I forgot till this moment. Mm -hmm. I will say they're actually, they're holding back, which sounds crazy, but Mm -hmm. they're holding back because they've had conversations with, I don't know directly Jeff Spring, but a liaison, and they've had conversations about what they were, quote, limited to. Yeah. And they had like, what are those horns called at like soccer games? Like the big, oh, the big like, dude, Dude, they had everything there, but they were holding back and weren't even doing that stuff because they realized like there is a line. Yeah. I do think on the green is a bit much. When I watch the happy flag people running, I'm like, it's fun and festive, but (laughs) man, like I'd rather save it for aces or something like that. Like, this is is where, cause like, I'm a fun guy, and I, I know there's a lot of takes where I've talked on the show that people don't agree with. Um, I, I have opinions where I want to see the sport in the professional setting on the Pro Tour be as professional as it can be because I think that ultimately brings in a lot more outside sponsors into the sport. I want to see the success of the tour grow. I want to see the success of these venues grow. Um, I definitely think that there are some times where like I'm big on, I love polos and pants, or like a nice shirt. <laughs> Hugo like that's Boss. just me. Like, dude, that sounds I, like a you know, band. Golf pants, polos yeah, and pants. exactly. And like, <laughs> but then we still have people, you know, either wearing gym shorts or you know, like, and to me, that's just my own personal opinion. Like, I don't, I don't think it looks as good. That doesn't mean that it doesn't look good as good. That doesn't mean that you might think it looks better to be wearing gym shorts out there. These are just my opinions towards yeah. it. But every so often, I know when I've like listened back to the show or like I kind of think about what I just said, I'm like. People probably think I'm the biggest fun sucker out there. And I'm like, I'm really not. Cause like, I think the cheering from the eight holes is the most badass thing yeah. at any venue that I've ever been you to. You hear to watch it, pro as tournaments. Simon said, it's both good and bad, but you hear it all yeah. over the course. And I it's love like, that. It's like hole 16 at waste management, the golf tournament. And I was talking to people about this. It's an Island hole par three and you buy seats to be in the stands at hole 16 waste management. And people explode like that's just a thing like if paul hits an ace on hole two at mvp the people on hole six are going to hear the massive cheer from the crowd no matter what so i think i don't know i love the eight holes i think they kind of are like flirting with the line of what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing but the idea of the eight holes in general and just the enthusiasm that they bring and then rushing over to 14 Especially because Maple Hill is not... So that's that's Ma- where I saw it again. That's why I mentioned it, because it also happened. They rushed over 14. Gannon's literally about a tee. And now... So I saw it twice. That's yeah. the only... Re- but that's all, the only I, thing I would critique. Other I'm than that, I think it's it good. I'm yeah. going to wrap it up. I got a text from my dad. He said enough about Hole 8. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but here's... For my, I'm for my five seconds... I saw James Conrad. 
Yes, yeah, I saw James Conrad. I saw James Conrad when he was getting clapped in, literally wave and kind of do like a, I don't know if he took his hat off, but two times on the same hole. And I was like, James didn't love it last year. The fact that he did that this year, I'm like, they're starting to be used to it mm-hmm. and come around to it. What do you think, Evan? I just think it's fantastic. Uh-oh. And I want to reiterate what you said. Am I, am I here? You are yeah, here. I yeah, felt yeah. like it was muted it, for a second. But no, it, it did that I'm like good? stop and like go. Yep. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Well, I, I think it's fantastic. And I just want to reiterate your point, Matt, that they're very aware of how loud they can be. Uh, I was on hole one uh, all week. And last year being on hole one, you would hear them, I think, even more at like intros and whatnot. This year, I feel like they're a little bit more reserved. They had the clap. It still wasn't an awesome atmosphere. But they were also very aware that when they're uh, – each card finished hole eight and they'd walk over hole nine, which is like 80 feet away, uh, that they were quiet for that tee. Mm-hmm. They're very respective of that. If a group was putting on hole seven, uh, they would be quiet until they finished putting and they're walking over to hole eight. They're, my point just being is, again, they're very aware. They know what they're they're doing at this point. They've had years of experience. Um, but the the rowdiness, I think I you just can't match that anywhere. And I think it's such a unique yeah, scene. I think teammate. they're being professional mm-hmm. about it. It's perfect. Um, not that you were necessarily anything bad about them. I'm just mm-hmm. saying I love everything they're doing. All I, right. I, yeah. I, all the changes they've done. Is bad. All right. Enough on that. We do this every year. Though. And everybody talks about it because it's fairly new, but it's starting to get used to it. Okay. Here's, here's my take on the playoffs. I had two opportunities this week to talk to the current reigning world champion about his perspective on the playoffs. I'm not going to tell you that he liked my idea, but I was able to go back and forth about what he thought might be important in regards to the playoffs. Um, And really, I don't know if I put this out there for anybody else. I don't remember if AB or Hamas was there or anybody, but here's the take. And I ended up sitting down with my dad and my brother. My brother, who joins on League Night, is a host on League Night, and we talk about these types of things. Um, Here's the deal. Paul said on our show... He had, no, he had no reason to play, like, the playoffs. There's nothing in it for him. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, the points are going to be the points, and he's already secured a buy. Like, he can't lose the buy, da 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 So here's my first take, and you're going to have to work with me through this. Get rid of the buys. Okay. Get rid of the buys. So nobody has any buy going into the, the championship. And here's why that matters first and foremost. So that way you have a reason to keep playing. Now, what? why do you have a reason to keep playing? Because points at the end of the point series earn you, and I know I said this before, but you got to work with me. It's a little different. Earn you a stroke advantage based off of your points. They're going to have some scale or some chart. So let's say Paul or Ricky for getting first, okay, in the point series. He gets 10 strokes going into the first round of the playoffs, like a 10-stroke advantage, something very significant, which is maybe I'm over-exaggerating with 10. But the point is... You're giving them a very high likelihood of winning, but they have not, they don't have a clinch. It's not clinched. Like they have a reason to keep wanting to get more points to stack on the stroke advantage. So Paul coming into Green Mountain and Maple, let's say he's coming into it. He's like, I have six strokes going into the first round of the championship. Well, I don't want just six. I want to make sure it's quote unquote clinched. I want to play more and get more points to stack on the advantage. Now, Those points only work through the first two rounds, and then they go into, let's say, quarter and finals without any stroke advantage. But if you give a bye and you can clinch it, then there is no reason for them to play. So here's the other thing. Why do the playoffs matter? Playoffs, 
Paul, Paul says majors matter because they're worth more points, okay? In that sense. Majors matter for other reasons, but they're worth more points. I said, so we can make playoffs matter just as much by granting, let's say, equivalent points or some other variation of it, but more points. And I would like to see it on a sliding curve for the playoffs. So if you do really well at the playoffs, you get a lot of points. The further you come down, the way less. I know it sounds normal, but it's not on a gradient, like or whatever you want to call it. It's a sliding curve. So those at the top are really rewarded. Those a little bit further down, let's say Ricky placed outside of 15th, the sliding curve makes it so he gets so many less points. So you're really rewarded for winning the playoffs, like times three or whatever, right? And if you play, the further you place down, the way less you get. So the playoffs are worth more, and it's like a power factor. So like if you win it, you're really rewarded. So if you put those things together, the playoffs would matter for the ramped points version. The points matter for strokes, and you don't have buys, so that's why Paul and Ricky and everyone wants to keep playing. That's generally how I see it as, like, thought. Now, I'm not saying that's how it should be, but I want Jeff to hear this and at least consider how they can modify it because this year the playoffs meant nothing. We had players in this room last week who no, said exactly. Okay. So, but this is where the playoffs, because I'm one of the people who I don't think there should be playoffs in general. I think the tour championship and the points that are awarded throughout the year should be the only thing that matters. And then however you do the tour championship after when you award those points, go for it. But for the people like Isaac Robinson, who was on the cusp line of a certain spot, whether it was quarterfinals going to semis or he was in the playing round going in. Now he's solidified into the quarterfinals. Like for Isaac, those added points in the playoff events really mattered and how well he did at GMC really mattered for him. But for players like Paul, Ricky, Gannon, and Calvin, they were pretty much solidified. But did you hear what I said? We have to get rid of the buys so yeah. they have a reason to play. But that's what I'm saying. Like right now, like you were saying right now, the playoffs don't really matter. But yes. for certain people, they do. And for certain people, it actually was really detrimental because like, let's say Connor O'Reilly ended up now missing the Pro Tour Championships because of an off weekend this week at MVP. But because people got 125% of the points this week, people who were on that cusp line and did well completely jumped connor so i like that that's what i'm saying i like yeah. the sliding i especially really rewarding those who did well in the playoffs people are yeah. saying do we need it here's here's my last take and i hear evan keep trying to jump in <laughs> majors are a thing that we've decided are worth more yeah purely because that's what we've decided majors are worth more we're going to make that event just like we said the yeah. world championship is worth more just because it's world mm -hmm. i'm open to the idea that they take playoffs and just say, this is new to the sport. We're making playoffs worth more. And these events or these two events are worth more. And we're going to make them elite like that. Again, open conversation next year. I'm sure they're going to figure something out, whether they get rid of it or they change it. But first go at it. We learned a lot. What do you think, Evan? Well, I think the first thing I want to say is that playoffs didn't feel different to a lot of people because i think it was the first year and people are still trying to understand it and really feel uh really understand and, and get to see in action uh how much points matter uh and and we did see it this weekend with paul Macbeth and ricky waisaki like yeah they each had a buy but to get that number one spot like it it literally went down to the last hole like even though that paul and ricky were in the clubhouse it went down again everyone spot. else's it, if Gannon, if Gannon, or I think it was actually uh, Ellis. I think if Burr missed one more putt, it no, it was okay. if Gannon if, didn't birdie hole eighteen, Paul would have won it. Do you want to know? Yeah, I'm not looking at it right now. That could be it. You can yeah. look at there it. Was, you can look at it. Do you know what was but, really interesting about hole 18's approach from Paul? 
And I was privileged to be able to stand there with Hannah as she was walking. And after he threw, Hannah looks at me and goes, do you know why that throw was important? And I'm like, no, clue me in. Because obviously, I mean, you want to do better in a round, but like, why was that throw actually important? And she's like, that may decide the points winner or not. Like, that's mm -hmm. why we're being clutch here and it happened. And I'm mm -hmm. like, holy smokes. Like, Paul in his mind is like thinking of that stuff, like on the course. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right, Evan, sorry. Um, yeah, so I think it'll come with time. Um, I do think it was important to me. I thought it meant a lot. It won. I mean, it made rankings or the standings a lot easier to calculate because there weren't any dropped events. They True. meant more. It, it To me, it was super exciting in the know. And we were calculating it live hole by hole, like how we were shaking out. Like if this happens, then it's going to be uh, Paul leading, you know, and this is Ricky and then Thomas Gilbert's right in the cusp. And he ended up just barely getting technically the last spot because Nico's suspended. Um, and that was incredible incredibly exciting uh while knowing what it was um and so if we get to a point where that's a little bit easier to see um again i think that's great but to your point of sliding scales i actually i was curious about that because it already is a sliding scale as as the first place gets the most points and then it goes on kind of a curve down was that what you're getting make at? make it more make it more extreme i'm thinking i'm thinking because i was okay. i don't want to punish because i do agree with Okay, he froze that, up again. That in a general sense, I think that could be all season long as well. Yes, mm -hmm. I guess I'm what I the reason why I said that okay. I didn't want to continue this too far, but the reason I said that the sliding scale and make it more extreme is because I was trying to figure out a way to, and it's going to sound funny, punish those in the playoffs who didn't perform well. So like, if Connor O'Reilly came out and had his like best finish of the year, really rewarded, but if like Paul really underperformed in the playoffs, like he gets like almost nothing yeah like make it, it really significant so the playoffs are just like the pound factor whatever that means and to com I still just compare think, uh, to the pga i mean it should be a year-long points thing it is but know, ramp but the saying. playoffs well like we we call the majors worth more i'm saying so why not make a playoffs and say these are going to be worth more. the playoffs or excuse me because the majors are worth more for your career in general like the playoffs make just the playoffs that they don't they're regular meaning it leads events, to the championship though. i'm saying yeah. it's a playoff system to the championship that's all I'm saying. All right. Okay. Well, we've, we've really like you would already argue that Last MVP and GMC are heightened elite series. But what I do want to say is because you you compared to the PGA <laughs> Tour like with the strokes and the Tour Championship, um, I they actually have a like you earn 100 points for first place or technically 500 for them, but um, you earn the same percentage points. But second place is much lower. It's 60 compared to 85 for the Pro Tour. In the Pro Tour, we reward top finishes a lot more than the PGA tour where winning is exponentially that much more. So I agree there. Um, the last thing I wanted to say um, is I do really like your idea for the tour championship where it's almost like a two round um, uh, stroke advantage. And then you get into the final either round or two, whether it's sudden death and the kind of the top four advance. And then it's an equal playing field there. I, I do fully agree with do you that. Know I think why that's something that, that part, would be better. All of these things I added were for a reason. Like we were thinking about how to fix problems. Well, that reason was the it. fact that Paul says he doesn't think he likes having the buys because he doesn't get to play I, through the event. I, I agree with that. And that's why, like I, my personal thought is I, I think buy should I'm going to get into this real quick. Sorry. But Burns. if you have a buy, you get to play the first two rounds. If you don't have a buy, oh, sorry, everyone plays the first two rounds, but you take your best score. And interesting. It, oh, man, I don't have this fleshed out. So no, no, people are going to come up with ideas on top of this, though. But if you have a buy, you get to choose your best. And that's it. If you don't have a buy, maybe it's the average between the two, something along those lines where if you have a buy, you kind of get 
an extra, um, you know, it takes your best. Yeah. There's, or there's, maybe it's there's, your worst there's a few if you options. don't. Yeah. Something, something off that line. Pay, pay them. Give some incentives. That's, yeah. that's that's all you got to do. It's another them. idea. Pay them after the playoffs for a different like thing. Like Ricky gets a 20 grand bonus from someone. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's nothing to him, but it could be something. Oh, it's nothing? Something to someone. I don't think it's nothing to Ricky. Okay. I think he would enjoy 20 grand. I'm just saying, you know. I don't want to say closing he makes thoughts. makes 20. But... but one more topic here, and I'm, I am throwing this over to Evan because Evan was sitting there all week with a phone and a radar, like gun, like not gun, but what is that? Radar detector, speed detector, whatever, for disc throwing out of people's hands off of hole one and hole 10 and hole eight and whatever. Um, can you give us any, like, compiled cool info off of that that you just recognized after sitting there all week like this just stands out to me kind of a thing yeah the bi biggest thing that stood out to me is uh anthony barella in every single round uh he was the high speed he was 73 in the first two rounds and 74 in the final round um albert tom was really the only one who was right on the cusp i think he was 72 all three rounds something like that there were a few other players in the 70s but each round anthony brillo was by far or not by far but was clearly the top uh in a standalone uh and during the million dollar shot which brillo was also in he hit 77 exactly all three rounds <laughs> again tom was close but like he every single round he played in including the million dollar shot he was the sole leader in speed uh which isn't the only thing though of course uh spin out of your hands and uh nose angle and like the hyzer angle all those are super important components the speed's kind of the easiest to get with uh what we have now um but we're going to dig into a lot more eventually and something i think we'll find out is kind of who are the slower speeds who are getting as much distance something i think of as Garrett Gerke, who is slow speed well, so Garrett Gerthy was, I think, I the do mid think to high 60s. I do think we should 60s. get the radar out for Nick before he heads back. How long are you here? But, yeah, uh, Nick, you want to drive to Keene? We should definitely we should do get Nick, really Nick and Matt show. Actually, I got to drive up to Manchester this week, so Nick I don't know if Nick and Matt close. show, let's do our speeds. Like, I have zero Maybe yeah. a YouTube video. Who's, let's we'll, do it. We'll figure that out after. But Garrett okay. Gerthy was around, like, 66 to 68, I think, all weekend. Uh, and we obviously know Garrett Gerthy can throw plenty far, um, and it's – also, obviously, a uh, like a tournament setting, so he might not be throwing his hardest, but he definitely still has the distance, uh, even throwing what, like seven miles an hour slower than Anthony Barella. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Garrick Earthy is getting a lot more efficient with his spin and his, his nose angles and all of that stuff uh, and being very good with that. Uh, the last thing I want to note is AJ Carey had the long throw of the weekend mm. at 704 feet. Uh, only player to hit that 700-foot mark, and he was actually so far on hole one uh, that he was completely pinched off and had to lay up uh, to his approach to then get a par on hole one. It's hard to know. And he threw how fast, like 74 or something? Uh, you know, he was in the uh, high 70. 60s. I think he was 68. Yeah. And like, again, you can't account for spin and even like wind factor and like angle mm -hmm. of all that stuff. But like... It incredible that was a, that was a huge thing too actually last thing i, I said just said the last thing but this is the last thing the first two rounds Jeez. in mpo there was only one person to hit 600 feet or more and that was germ jeremy Coling and round one hit 615 uh in the final round round three i believe there was 12 shots that were over 600 feet so it, the wind that being the wind conditions were uh phenomenal in the last and round then, and it was a pretty strong or swirling headwind the first two rounds and then i'll say this i filmed simon last year for vlogmas throwing 740 feet on flat ground simon if you're still listening that was amazing like 
wind or no wind, that's to the point. You're seeing people throw off hole one downhill. Like, I mean, and Simon <laughs> did it on flag around. Like, incredible. So, yeah. Someone in the chat said, Evan's been waiting all day to spit out these stats. <laughs> <laughs> I was spitting out all day yesterday. That's our friend Daniel, was, by the way. You're, you're like got that meme with the guy yesterday. with the veins, like, <laughs> I need a stat. I need to say stats. Okay. All right. I got. I got a, a small little something to it. Yeah. We can be close. We're like. Yeah. We are close. We can kind of be quick on it, I guess. But um, I bring this up mostly because a ton of the chat is talking about it. But Paul getting second place in the ports, uh, ports, the points <laughs> series, but didn't want to or didn't oh, give a speech. Oh snap! I What's your guys' like, take on it? Because I know. Oh, I know. I know. I know the, I'll give you my take right now. Yeah, because I know the reason for it. The reason is he. It's pretty obvious. He literally pointed. To Ricky, he said, I'm going to let Ricky have his moment. Literally, to Jeff Spring, it was pretty ben obvious to me. Ben was literally on the putting I was on the green. <laughs> That's yeah. literally, I'm just going to go in and say it right there, because the other two gave speeches, and I think Calvin kind of felt awkward in a sense of like, he was like, oh, wait, I'm actually supposed they to say something. They probably thought they had to, yeah. It's like, it's like winning a C tier or a B tier. Like, the second place person... You don't need here's, to give the speech. It's here's the my Here's my contradicting take, so we're going to have a little excitement yeah. on the Nick and Matt Shoot. show. This is in hindsight. The fans and everyone there too weren't sure unless you were like directly on the green. It could, and because of the progression, maybe it set it up to look like a failure on Paul's part, like the way people did talk. Mm-hmm. If Paul, because it seemed like he was talking to Jeff Spring, right? Yeah. It would, and it was kind of like what, it, like you don't need to know what he's saying, but you're kind of wondering. And it would have been cool. Again, Paul, this is in hindsight. Would have been cool had he just taken the mic and said, "Listen, I'm going to give Ricky his moment." Just so like everyone else could hear that. Does he owe it? No. Like we just couldn't hear it, and we're like, "Oh snap! Is he upset? Is he bothered?" And that's what's happening in the chat. Like that's what's happening on there. So it's cool to point out what actually yeah. happened. Yeah, I think it's a non-issue. I'm, it's I'm a pretty non-issue. sure. I'm pretty sure what Paul had said to me because we were at we were talking about it that night at my house, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you didn't give a speech." He was like, "No." I looked at Jeff and I was like, <laughs> "Or this is Paul saying I was like," but yeah. he was like, "Um," he had said to Jeff, he was like. Sorry, I'm like trying to get this through my head really quick. <laughs> Say it right. But he said it to Jeff and he said, you're about to call up Ricky, right? And he said, yeah. And he's like, oh, give it to him then. Like, as in like, no, this is Ricky's moment. Ricky won this. Like this, you know, yeah, I got second in the points for all year. I don't know. Like, I just think the, like, I don't know. It's, it's cool. One of the, it's that's cool. What, it's a nod. That's what's I, wild to me. That's what's wild to me because then Ricky had obviously said that this was one of his greatest, <laughs> his greatest achievement all year so far. <laughs> Someone so. said it was the dump and run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, I'll say I agree that I don't think uh, anyone else besides Ricky needed to give a speech. I mean, the first place is the one who should give the speech. Mm-hmm. But I really did like what Gannon Burr said. Uh, I mean, he obviously had a phen- phenomenal season coming onto the scene and being one of the best players we've seen all year, but didn't un- uh, unfortunately didn't pick up a win. Uh, his speech was like mature beyond any any 17 year old could do i mean his actions all year on the course he he looks like he's a seasoned like eight-year veteran and this is his kind of first official year full touring and he pretty much saying you know wasn't my best or uh wasn't kind of wasn't the season i wanted because i wanted to get a win and i'll be back better the next year and just like that was a really cool thing to see him just speaking in front of everyone again like the maturity in that kid is astounding uh Mm -hmm. and was cool to have him put those words yeah. uh, into the back. I will say I got luck. I got to play like a few holes after the whole thing with him and just talk to him. And I was kind of amazed. Like he literally on 16, he double bogeyed. If he parred that he's tied with, I think Simon for the win. 
and he's just like having fun fooling around like yeah i just can't close it out just like talking with like gavin and just having a good time i was like this man basically just lost on like one hole and he's just like yeah just another day in the office so that's just another testament to how mature he is i was pretty amazed on he was just like you know just got to keep keep going forward okay I will say about that, last week, Nick, after you left, there was a three-group party who stayed behind after yes. you left the in-person show here. Alden Harris Vlogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alden Harris Vlogs stuck around, which usually includes, like, Gannon and Isaac, and mm -hmm. sometimes you see Gavin in there. I had never watched their videos, and he comes over to me after the show, and he's like, hey, like, have you ever, because they were, I'll tell you what they were doing, but they are like, have you ever seen, like, Alden's vlog? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just so busy. Wouldn't you know, after I watched what they did for the next, like, two hours, they were down here in studio mm -hmm. where you're sitting is where Gannon was sitting. Alden was sitting in my <laughs> seat. Ben was doing switches, and then Isaac was in the interview chair. It'll, it'll come out soon. They're making, yeah, they're making a little vignette for their vlog that happens here. Oh, really? It's really funny. Like, nice. <clears throat> I will say this. they ha I don't want to give it all away, but at the yeah. end, they're like, come in, Matt, and be so angry and ask what we're doing in your studio. And I'm like, bro. Like I'm just going to get roasted for yeah. being the meanest guy ever. <laughs> but nice. it should be pretty funny. I will give their vlog or his vlog a huge shout out. About 12,000 yep. subscribers. And I was very entertained. It's disc golf media content like we've never seen. Uh, yeah, Nick, I'm telling I've, you. I've actually. I'm I, cracking up I'm watching it. I didn't know he did that. <clears throat> so I kind of feel bad. No, well, no, I did too. Yeah. But once you go watch it, dude, you'll have to get through some of it. Yeah. It's really funny. It's vlogs like you've never yeah. seen. I think they're all wicked I, nice kids. So yeah, so I, I want to say this though is they get incredibly good views. I, I mean Alden's vlogs. Yeah, over 50, uh, doesn't people. have enough scrap subscribers though. If you like watching his videos or if you've never watched him, uh, and you see the one that will be coming out uh, probably about the MVP Open, give him a subscribe as well. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. He's like, I'm gonna shout out Nick and Matt all the time. I'm like, no, dude, you're you're fine. You're yeah. doing great. So <clears throat> that was fun. And then about 11:45 p.m. This is like a tournament night. Or, like, before the tournament. Yeah. Like, are there any pizza places open? And I'm like, bro, I know I'm only 37. I got four boys. And you know how Simon was like, I'm trying to figure out how to sleep. Yeah. I'm like, we're about to go for another round at 11.45 tonight yeah. with pizza? I'm like, they're, they're young, man. It's crazy. Gannon's awesome. It was cool. If you're listening to this, guys, we absolutely loved you. And we're just razzing on you right now. Um, so, all right, getting ready to close it out. One shout out to Mike Schwartz. Yo. He comes out of the New York Capital Disc area. This he set up a lot of the volunteering for the Disc Golf Pro Tour at this event specifically. Mm -hmm. He organizes it. He runs a lot of that. He does stuff, I think, maybe with payouts. He does a lot for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. He just flew out to Vegas and all that. So shout out to Mike Schwartz if you're listening. Good job, Mike. It's always great seeing you there. Um, all the volunteers at this event being on the ground. All the fans, Nick, mm -hmm. of the Nick and Matt show out there shaking hands saying keep it up awesome job good stuff love this keep like it gets starts to get a little bit overwhelming i can only imagine what it's like to be simon if i'm getting 0.001 of what simon gets like how you must feel so overwhelmed with like so many people like what i'm doing yeah it must anyways yeah. different life so shout out to you evan you were there all week stat mando i appreciate the hat i've been wearing as much as i can I have I have one last thing. And, Nick, and this is something we don't have to yeah, this is actually my one last thing until I think of my next one last thing. <laughs> but um and this is also something that I, I've been reading the chat all night. It's kinda nice that it's just right on my right hand side. 
But a ton of people earlier were talking about the camera shot of Corey in the sap house. And a lot of people were saying how kind of like incredible of a shot that was versus how they shouldn't have done that. And now I think showing that for a brief second or a few seconds is a pretty awesome is the wrong word, but I'm trying to say like almost powerful moment where you see someone just kind of like in a massive vulnerable state of, you know, he had this opportunity. It slipped by him, but we've seen that a couple times out of Corey. Now Corey's not going anywhere. He's an incredible player. And I honestly think that that kind of shot of him at the end right there was a really cool aspect of just a player who's so incredibly kind of like in love with his craft. And I don't know. I just thought it was awesome. It, it, it didn't remind me of this moment, but another moment that I can think of where like, why do you have the camera on this person? If you've ever seen the last dance, the Michael Jordan series on Netflix and one of the episodes, um, it's after Jordan wins his um, NBA championship, the year that his father passed away. And it's him kind of like on the ground crying because this is the first time that he's won since his dad passed. And it's just kind of like, why the hell do you have a camera on this man? Like, this is the most vulnerable that someone could get. And you're just airing it out like that. But when you watch this series, it's like, oh, my God, like, what a powerful moment that actually was. And like, I don't know. I thought it was really cool that I, I don't know. Like, I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. They, and I'll say this, I think they actually did it in a sense the right way because they weren't in that room with Corey. Corey might not have even known that that camera's on him. In a sense, like, they weren't in his way. He, you know, wasn't there to kind of, like, slap it out of the face or something like that. Like, I'm just saying, like, I think they were at least respectful in that regards. But at the same time, I can see why people are upset about it. It's the timing. It. It, yeah. I, I don't know. I did. I was there in person, so I didn't see that. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. So anyone, yeah, I'm not commenting that. on this directly because I wasn't there. But mm -hmm. what the chat is saying, and I'll look for is the timing of it. Like, Simon was running around high-fiving, and they cut to, like, Corey. So, and, you know, but that's powerful. I, I'm not, I haven't seen it, but I'll say moments like that could be powerful. Oh, wait, you oh, could change it. So. Can, can, can we just say, that this is crazy. Simon has won two Elite Series by people, backhand dominant players, trying to go for a forehand on their last shot and throwing an OB. Oh, you're talking about Garrett at Portland? Yep. How crazy is that? What a stat. Oh, yeah. I forgot about well, that one. Hey, yeah. you want another stat? Statmando Caro, whenever he's at an event, Natalie Ryan wins, and Corey Ellis loses in unfortunate fashion, uh, <laughs> being D-Glow and MVP. So yeah. Natalie Ryan, hire Carl and bring him to each event, and Corey Ellis, <laughs> make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> All right, we talked about a fair amount. Obviously, yeah. we haven't talked about every disc golf topic, or else we'd be a six-hour show. No, we'd be longer than that. But So we did a lot tonight. Go out and check out our sponsors. Thank you to all of them. Again, presented by Cosmic Disc Golf, this episode 108, cosmicdg.com. And, man, I'll just say it again. Thanks for all the love out there. It was spectacular. The people who listen to our show like to go to tournaments. And so when I was at the tournament, that's the people who listen to our show. And I want to say thank you very much. If I could shout out all of your names, I would. But it was great to meet all of you. I have the visions in my head of the fist bumps and the faces and, well. and all that stuff. So I really do appreciate that. Yeah. All right, uh, I guess we're to that point, Nick. Oh, I'm going to shout out Daniel Daniel, Do really it. quick. Long time Last listener. Thing. He goes, thing. No. the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I think that actually perfectly sums up that moment. Anybody, or anyways, thank you everybody for tuning in this Monday night. 
What an incredible show. It's incredible to be back in studio this week. It's incredible to witness history at the MVP Open. Um, just so many, so many awesome things. And we still have two massive events left on the year schedule. And then we're kind of heading into the offseason. Pretty excited about that. So don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Um, don't forget to check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. We are there. Leave a review if you would ever so feel inclined to. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Maybe our audience isn't as big as like the pro tours, but man, our chat was pretty good tonight. And we I wanted to say we've got we've got a good chat. And I just want to say thank you to that. I shared my heart about how I felt on things mm -hmm. without sharing what I actually think. We can all agree to disagree and like and love each other. As Nick said, tell someone you love them. I'm gonna <laughs> Ben, I just say you're awesome. I don't say I love you, but <laughs> Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. <laughs> Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.